Hi, this is J.K. Woodward, and you listen to 11 O'Clock Comics. I am Groove. Oh, completely unexpected. How the hell am I going to put an echo on that? <laughs> I'll figure something out. Of course out, you will. <laughs> I can do the woohoo if you want. A traditional woohoo would be nice. Fine. <laughs> Week. I look forward to that. Nah, not just for me. There's billions of people who listen that depend on that woohoo to start their Thursday morning. Yes. Billions, I say. Yes. <laughs> oh boy. I needed this today. Did you really? Yes. It's been a roller coaster of a week. I was up on uh, what Tuesday because it was my birthday. And people were, were, you know, well wishing and stuff, and it was great. But today I was like on the downslope of the bio. I was in a nasty funk. How did you like your first birthday? On your, I know that you're a new, a new Facebook junkie. So yes. how did you like your first birthday on Facebook? You need to maintain yes. on 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 special yeah. days because it, it can get out of hand. Yeah. Yeah. You, you learn real quickly. It's like, listen, I wish I could, you know, thank you. Everybody individually, but I right. ain't no one got that kind of time. I was trying to like everyone as it came in, and then kind of blanket bunches by saying, you know, thanks guys, blah blah blah. But no, it was great. It was I, I it was a lot of fun, better than Twitter. Mm-hmm. Twi- Twitter's just playing chaos, whereas on Facebook, at least it grouped them into like X amount of people posted on your wall yeah. for your your birthday and you can go in and just like say thank no i liked it it was fun oh, and 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 thank you to the people who did that it was awesome the people yes two tree fun stuff how was your weekend talking to me yeah talking to everybody it was, it was good um there was one notable occurrence the rest was pretty much by the numbers but but that notable occurrence was wow well i'm sure we'll talk about that in a couple yeah. minutes we um I, I, uh, I was not, it started off, I mean, I was loving everything about Saturday morning. The person I was with, not so much until maybe about 20 minutes into what we're going to be talking about. Oh, you spent Saturday with your wife? I did. Wow. You weren't, you weren't enjoying her, her company? I was enjoying her company and what we were watching. That's a- that's a death sentence. She ever hears this dude? You're gonna need one. You're gonna need some of my family members to come guard that body. <laughs> <laughs> Call on Uncle Guido. There you go. Nice, perfect. We'll, we'll just let them hang there for a second. Hey, everybody! It's eleven o'clock comics, episode three hundred and twenty-eight, and I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. And I'm Jason Wood. There we go. Uh, he wishes. <laughs> You're not Jason Wood. You're Scotty Young, everybody. I am. I'm back. Once again, back is the incredible. <laughs> Isn't it awesome that you need absolutely no introduction? I don't have to tell them what they do, what you do, or what. Scotty Young. <laughs> yeah, drop my cool and walk away. <laughs> yep. After that, just Mike, we can just shut the show down right now. That's- <laughs> 
<laughs> just like they had Scotty Young and they didn't talk. It was the best show ever. Well, and I'm, I'm going to riff on what Scotty just says for, for, I don't want to lose this segue. No, you're not Chuck <laughs> D. But if, if you would like to read a book about Chuck D, you can shimmy on over to DCBService.com because they have this month the Hip Hop Family Tree box set, which includes volume one and volume two of Ed Piscor's groundbreaking uh, retelling of the, uh, the legend of hip hop, uh, mixed with the legend of comics and a bunch of other stuff. Plus, you get an exclusive ash can, which has a gold foil cover on it by Liefeld. Nice. Nice. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And the cover price on this thing is $59.99. Woo! Little, little steep, right? But it's got a slip case and an ash can and two books, but that's not what you're gonna pay at DCBService.com. Huh? No, you can bring it home for twenty nine ninety nine. Do the math. That's fifty percent off. You can't even get that discount at Amazon. Seriously, what's wrong with you people? This month is incredible. There is a ton of stuff uh, offered for rock bottom prices. I'm just going to gloss over it because uh, you know I don't want to spend too much time on this. But Jason will be very happy that I'm including this one because from Image. You can get the Nailbiter Trade, Volume 1, by Joshua Williamson and Mike Henderson. Cover price, $9.99. It would be respectable taking it home for that, right? Uh-uh. Your price, $4.99. Jeez. From Dark Horse, this one's very special, so listen up. The Athena Voltaire Compendium. Yes, this is a huge honkin' book by our buddy Steve Bryant. It's a hardcover. Cover price, even at the retail level, this would have been a good deal. It's $19.99, but you can take it home for $9.99. Get all of Athena Voltaire for 10 bucks in a hardcover. Oh, my God. Why aren't you doing this? And last but not least, from Oni, another buddy of ours, Colin Bunn, has a brand new book coming out with uh, Brian Chirilla. It's called Hellbreak. Cover price is a dollar. <laughs> you could take it home for 50 cents. Are you insane? Take advantage of these deals. DCBService.com. It's a horror book, by the way, so you got to support it. DCBService.com. That may have been one of the most rock-solid segues I know, right? of your entire podcasting career. It's <laughs> another rock-solid segue. That man you just heard has a sketchbook. It's called Scotty Young's Daily Grind. How many pages, Scotty? A hundred pages. It's a hundred pages, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's only a thousand of them printed. That's nothing, especially for this dude who's hot right now. Uh, cover price is 30 bucks. You can get it at scottyyoungstore.bigcartel.com or scottyyoung.com. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Just, um, you know, every, well, nearly every day, as many days as I can, uh, through the work week, Monday through Friday, I start the day off with an hour time limit of um of a drawing so whatever whatever kind of comes to mind that morning uh or sometimes i'll go to twitter and ask for suggestions and and get a list of them and and just try to kind of you know come up with something play around with some shapes play around with some line work and tech you know just see what happens with it sometimes they work sometimes they don't um but i'm always trying and and uh so these, uh, Daily Grind, that's kind of the, the idea behind it is collecting some of my favorite of those from the first couple of years and, 
I mean, I've, I've done so many, I've almost put together another hundred pages for volume two. So, um, sometime, sometime, uh, you know, maybe early next year, beginning of next year, volume two will be hitting as well. So it collects some of my favorite ones of the first couple of years of my daily, uh, daily sketches. And they're all over the place too. That's what I love about it. You'll do like Astro Boy one day, you know, Man Thing the next day. There's no telling what you're gonna do. Yeah, it's it's exciting. I like to see that. Thanks, man. Stretching out, you're stretching your muscles. Trying it, man. Trying it. It's it's fun. Yeah. It's fun because a lot of those things, you know, uh, I, and I don't want to sound all virtuous, you know, like super virtuous and like really artsy. Like I like my intention was to find future techniques, but I mean, I really was doing it just to doodle. And then, uh, then also sell the original art and make a little extra scratch. And then, um, but honestly, I have, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, sometimes some characters or character shapes or, or, uh, brush techniques or watercolor techniques have found their way into other work, sure. works I've done, you know, so it's, yeah. it's practice and it's, uh, experimenting without the, um, that extra weight of knowing it's going to get reviewed or an art director or editor is going to see it, you know? So it's sometimes it's hard to, to remember to kind of like step outside yourself and experiment when you're only drawing for things that are for work, you know? Right. Um, right. And so these, this, this, uh, this kind of daily exercise is really, I mean, I've been doing it since 2010. Um, so, you know, for the last four years, it's really been, um, a really good exercise every day to just step outside of that daily grind, right? <laughs> yeah, and you keep saying exercise, and that's exactly what it is, because you know, as a dude that works out, you let it go for a couple of weeks, you start to get stiff. Oh, yeah, man. You know, and after a while, you start to lose that that rhythm, that mojo that you had when you were doing it every day, like exercising, I mean. So, yeah. I mean, drawing is no different. Oh, it's the exact same, and and yeah. uh, not just, I mean, mentally and physically and all that, I mean, if if you don't, you tend to, you stack up some too many go-tos. Mm-hmm. You know, like, ah, I don't know what to do. You know, I haven't done this in a while. I've been away. And all right, I'll just go to one of my go-to shapes. Or I'll go to one of my go-to guys or one of my go-to backgrounds or whatever. And this is kind of like, all right, I got no rules here. Let me really bend this and stretch this and pull this and see what happens. And like I said, sometimes right. it's ugly and sometimes it's really cool and and sometimes it's a mix between the two, and sometimes it it's cool for a minute, and then you you get too happy with yourself, and you fuck it up, and you're like, ah, oh, shit. Um, yeah. But you know that's that's the beauty of it, man. There's no, there's there's no wrong or right. It's just all just uh, all just exercising. Right. And because you're not in that mental arena, say Rocket Raccoon, you, you put yourself into that mental space when you're sitting down to draw that, that you, you approach it a certain way, you're going to do it the way that you feels natural that you're doing it. When you're doing those those daily warm-ups, there's no limit at all. You're you're in a zone where you can do anything you freaking want. There's no expectations. It's not scheduled, to, you know, destined for print. It's not going to be surrounded by other panels. You could do, it's, possibilities are endless. So, yeah, that's and it translates into like really exciting stuff. Not that your other stuff's not. I'm just saying. No, no, you know? it's a cool thing. And I think also too, like I said, I, I really try to keep, I, I try to put that hour cap on it. So I never go over that because it also keeps me from um, being too precious with anything. You know, that sure. sometimes that's a danger for me is, 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 or I think for any artist is kind of, you know, maybe being too precious and spending too much time thinking about something. And this is, this keeps me, um, Really just trying to feel with, feel kind of the, the gut for that minute and see where it goes and, and, and try to follow it in that short amount of time. And, 
And it's been nice because over the years, you know, at first I'd start off and, you know, that hour was, <laughs> it was a tough, you know, and now, now, you know, now I finish usually long, long before an hour. Um, if I make it to an hour, I'm usually throwing a little Photoshop color on at the end or something, you know. Nice. Um, but yeah, it's fun. It's a fun stuff. Cool. And like you said, it's a good way to, to, uh, make a little bit extra money. Why not? Yeah, it's fun. And, you know, it's also, you know, writers, um, writers in, in comics, um, they, they get to write a lot of titles, right? Like most writers that we know and really like, they're writing four, five, sometimes six books at a time, you know? And so they're in front of your face all the time. Um, at, on the shelves, online, there's reviews. They're getting reviewed every week. They're getting talked about on, on podcasts every week. They're, you know, they're, they're always in your consciousness. And as artists, we usually work on one title and, um, so we're on your mind once a month, maybe, you know, depending on now we've got rotating art teams. So, you know, I might, you know, uh, an artist might be on a book for three months off for three months. So he might be in front of you for three months. Then he's off working on the next arc, front loading it for, so he's out of your, he's kind of out of your mind for three months. Um, or, you know, so there's a lot of ways that it's, it's easy for us to kind of, shift off and, and kind of, I don't want to say be forgotten, but not remembered for a little bit, you know, um, mm -hmm. where this was also something to help me draw things. I mean, I drew Oz for almost six years. So this was also a way for me to start drawing other things and keep myself, uh, outside of Oz, at least for a little part of the day. But it also was a way to get people to, to keep coming to the site, you know, keep coming to the blog and, and remember like, Hey, I might not be on the shelves for, you know, another three weeks, or I might not be on shelves for two months between arcs, but I'm on, I'm on your website, I'm on your Twitter, I'm on your Facebook every single morning. So come check it out. I might draw, you know, I might draw concrete. I might draw the max. I might draw Harry Potter, you know, so it's like, it kind of gives, gets that excitement up where people are like, oh, what, what will we draw today? And then for art collectors, it's even better because every day there's a new thing. And that even kind of created a little, like, some of them there for a while are getting kind of competition, like, oh, he swoops in every day. He's right there, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 played a lot of it, uh, unexpectedly. You know, at first I just started it just to do it. And then there ended up being a lot of benefits that came out of it that I was unaware of when I started. So it's a pretty it's a pretty great thing. I'm pretty happy to be doing it. Yeah, and the variant covers keep you in the spotlight too, yeah, which is a really smart thing. That does not hurt either. Yeah, that's a yeah. pretty cool thing. <laughs> <laughs> it does not hurt at all. No. David, you're quiet, buddy. I'm listening. I'm just, Jump I'm, in, I, man. you know, I'm I'm sitting cross leg looking up at Scotty, just you know, listening to uh, everything. <laughs> man, no, I, it's, I, I have Uncle yet Scott. to see, I have yet to see, um, Scotty stand still or or sit still. You know, no matter. It, it, Especially at Heroes, dude was. Oh, I mean, even if he's talking to uh, it's Jason or giving Ryan Stegman shit next to him, I mean, it, <laughs> he's still he's still you know hand on the paper sketching, finishing a piece. It, it's I just he doesn't know when to just chill or relax. And, and, he, <laughs> and it's, but that's still that's still chilling. I mean, you know, there was the picture you uh, you Instagram the picture of you sketching while. Your son was sitting right next to you reading. And, oh, yeah, man. And, you know, I mean, so even, even then in those quiet moments, dude is still working. And, and I mean, and that's, and that's, and even if it's not considered work, he's still, you're still honing your craft. Just, I mean, so I can't, I am, you know, I'm, I, there, there's, 
at no point do I feel like I, I could jump in or just be, I'm just, I'm, I'm just enjoying it all. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just soaking it in. Well, no, man, I appreciate that. You know, for me, I, I, you know, we talk about this a lot and me and my wife will talk, we'll talk about, you know, friends who come over and don't quite understand, you know, what, you know, people who don't, aren't into comics and don't know what we're doing. And oftentimes I try to explain it to them like, like, don't you ever get, you know, tired of working? And I was like, well, I'm, I'm one of the really, really lucky people. And I, and I never, I never forget this, that, you know, um, you know, some people like to work on cars. My dad was was somebody who really liked to work outside and with flowers and planting and gardening and all that, you know, he would always be outside messing with that stuff. And, um, drawing is that for me, right? So when I get done drawing for the day, um, I kind of just want to go do my gardening, which is drawing, you know? So it's, I get to do that all day and I get to do it for the hobby hours of my day. Um, so it kind of plays through and, and just like, just like, you know, my dad who went off to work at Caterpillar all day and then would come home and, and, and build something or work in the garden or whatever he would do. Um, I mean, I work at Marvel during the day and usually I will go home and then I'll work on some personal stuff during the, during the night or, you know, whatever project that I might have that's a little more personal or side stuff. So yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a weird, it's a weird life when you want to hurry up and get done drawing so you can go home and do some drawing, <laughs> you know? Living the dream. Yeah. Yep. So David, what were you saying? Oh, we didn't do the drink thing. We didn't do I'll make, no, I'll make it easy. Diet Coke. Diet Coke. Wow. Cause that's all I have. That's all. I know. What are you drinking? Uh, I had a beer with dinner, so now I am just, uh, sipping on some, um, 1792 whiskey. Wow. That's old. Uh, Scotty, how about you? Um, tonight, folks, I'm sorry, it's just water because I had to, uh, my internet has been out at my house for about two weeks, mm. two, almost three weeks maybe. And, um, so I had to, I came back to the studio tonight to record. So I, I'll be doing some driving and didn't want to, uh, shouldn't be drinking no beer. I can respect that. It's true. It's true. Yes. Three weeks? Yeah. How are they going to... It's literally that's, 20, 20 days right now. Um, that's, that's, that's insane. Not, Somebody's not going to pay their bill this month. Oh, no. Yeah. It's... Yeah. Um, I think today I finally got a thing. There's... I think there's like a bad line underground and they've got to get under there and uh, dig something up or something. So, I don't know. It's It's oh, been so frustrating. It's like off all day and then at like 1030 at night it'll come back a little bit but really, really weak and then it'll be... You know, it's, it's been nuts. Oh, Sorry about that. I know. Well, luckily, I mean, my wife's suffering from it more than I am because I still come to work and at my studio and have internet and everything. But she's texting me all day long. Oh, the internet's. And I was like, yes, I know. It's still. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason to get it fixed. I know. That, yeah, that, that, would, that would be my real. reason. <laughs> all right, David, you alluded to something we all did this weekend. We did all do it this weekend. Well, actually, I don't know. Yeah. Did, did, did Scotty do it this weekend or did you get I, to see it early? <laughs> Well, I do it all. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, no, I did not get to see it early, um, at all. I knew nothing about it until this past weekend. Okay. Uh, but I will be going to see it again tomorrow night. Nice. Yeah. No, it's definitely, it, it's, we are talking about Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. Uh, and it, uh, it is definitely a movie that I, I can honestly say does require repeat viewings. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. but it is, I, we, I never, I've seen more movies in the theater 
this year alone than I, and they've all been comic book related, but I, then, than I have in like the past four or five years combined. I, I don't, we don't go to the theater and it's not, it, it, it's, it's the people, it's the prices, it's the whole mess of reasons why we don't. And, and, uh, cause I don't have an Alamo draft house right down the street, but the, um, and I never do opening weekend, but for whatever reason, um, it was dreary on a Saturday morning. Renee took pity on me because she knew I wanted to see it. So we went to see the first showing on a Saturday morning. Um, and she was not happy for about the first 20 minutes. Her, her, her jaw was clenched. She, cause she's not big on sci-fi. She needs to get out. Man. No, but the thing is, she's, she, she, I mean, she's digging on the music, but she, she's watching this and she's like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing here. And then Rocket and Groot show up. And then shirtless Chris Pratt shows up and, and all of a sudden now she likes the movie. Oh, okay. So Took her all the way to Rocket and Groot? Yes. Seriously. Yes. It's like the Grinch, man. Yeah, opening get scene alone. I oh, have, I loved it. The credits could have rolled right <laughs> when, right after the, the title card popped up. <laughs> and I would have been like, oh, that was dope. I'm, I'm out. done. Yeah, seriously. Uh, no, I, um, she, she did enjoy it. She, and she loved the, 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 uh, the scene before the credits. Uh, and I had to explain the scene after the credits, but I mean, she, she did come around and, and she, uh, she, wow. Rocket is her absolute favorite character. There are lines that she and I will throw out to each other and she'll crack up like, like when he needs the dude's eye. And, and, and he, I mean, there's just so much about the movie. I don't want to jump around too much, but no, we, we, uh, saw it. Absolutely loved it. Um, I know Jason saw it before. Um, in between flights and, uh, and, and he loved it. Uh, finally, Vince got to see it. I was giddy and, and, uh, and, and you'll tell us your thoughts. But I mean, I, I mean, we, I, I think, I think we're all in agreement that it was a really good time. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I think you're putting it mildly, but yeah, I took my son. Nice. Okay. Uh, 10 years old and, um, I have to say, I'm not embellishing this at all. This is what I felt as I was sitting there watching the movie. From the first, you know, it takes you a little while to get acclimated to the the environment and the, the visuals, and maybe about five minutes into it. From, from about five minutes into it till that last magical extra little bit at the end, I, I'm, I'm being totally serious. It was a joyous experience. My heart was I felt that's what I felt that entire time joy I was sitting there smiling at this movie the it, and it, it's at a breakneck pace there's really no letting up never in the movie stops. nope like nope. never ever stops right and I'm just feeling nothing but joy yes. in my heart and I'm like holy shit they did it and and the thing that really makes it um, a, a huge triumph for me is because it's not a movie from a big name Hollywood director. James Gunn is a trauma boy. He has come from the the gutter, the the cinematic gutter, and 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 worked his way to this. I mean, why they gave him this movie? I have. I mean, I like his stuff. He he's directed some stuff for trauma, and he's you know he's been around, but not a whole. I mean, his cinematic. Um, Ovoir is not all that thick, you know? So from that, for them to give him this movie and for him to produce something like this, it's like, like Bill Murray said in, 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 uh, uh, Cinderella story. It is, it really is. 
Caddyshack. That's what I was looking for. But it's, I thought it was an amazing, amazing movie. My son said it's the greatest movie of all time. I mean, he's embellishing it a little bit. Hey, well, yeah. I, I will now say. listen, imagine, imagine what you said or felt after Star Wars. I, you're yeah, right. You know, and, 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 and I know that's probably, you know, I hear people, I've seen people online saying, hey, I love Guardians of the Galaxy, but everybody needs to stop saying this is the Star Wars of this generation. And I felt like, why can't it be? Like, right. no, you're right. Why, exactly. why can't this be Star Wars to a 10 year old? I will say it's more Star Wars to a 10 year old than Star Wars is to a 10 year old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they are very similar movies. There's a lot I mean, of similarities. Yeah. 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 I, I come, I, I do not, I, it, it's a Marvel movie it, based on Marvel comic characters and, 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 and thank you, thank you to whoever well, I think we know who made it happen, but giving credit where it's due, plus offering a um, showing up and at and in Bill Mantlo's room with a private screening, so he could see the movie. I think is is I mean that 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 almost makes it as that's almost better than the movie just, just by a smidge. But I I don't consider this a a superhero movie. Why? Because because I don't be Spider Man, Batman, those are superheroes. These guys are, um, they're. Uh, yes, yeah, there's, they're, a, they're, there's a difference between superhero movies and comic book movies. Right, like, exactly, exactly. It is a superhero movies are also comic book movies, but comic, right, it's similar to when we say. I mean, I think it's Rose the Perdition's a comic book movie. Right, it's the same thing that we talk about when we talk about comics. Right, like right. Like I don't, I don't consider you know, you know, everything's not superhero comics. Sometimes they're just comics, and I think this is this was so perfectly a sci-fi movie. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, but see, I don't know, David. I love you so much, but I gotta disagree that's with you there. I think I, I definitely think this is a superhero, I, and, I, and, and I get it, and and that's absolutely great. I mean, and, and it, it's, I can definitely see it. Now, just let me ask you a question. I'm not putting you on the spot. No. Was Green Lantern? Uh, a superhero movie? They made a Green Lantern movie? It's, yeah, come on. You just, you know, you know what I mean. If that was a yes. superhero movie, why wasn't this? I mean, people were getting slammed into huge chunks of metal yes. with, with tremendous force. I feel like if we, if we were going to get technical, if we're going to, if we're going to go technical on it, I would say that while Green Lantern did take place partially in a very amazing cosmic setting, that's our. That's just sarcasm. But. <laughs> I still haven't seen it. Um, uh, it still was very much. Here's a guy, normal guy, injected with power, who now is supposed to save the day and do uh, do uh, good and be whole. You know what I mean? There was. It's that. It's all the tropes of superhero. Yes. Was this this was more. Um, Indiana heist. Jones is in yeah, a superhero. This was heist movie. This yep. was pulp adventure movie. This was pulp sci-fi movie. It was, you know, and, and I mean, if you think, obviously we're at a place where we're okay with spoilers, right? Everybody's okay or? Oh, you, yes. you should be. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I gave everybody okay. fair warning. Um, uh, you know, we're, we're at a place where like, or in this movie, uh, the, the, for a good majority of the plot, these characters have zero intentions of doing anything honorable or good. Yes. Uh, it's all about money. Everybody was after money. Uh, Gamora wanted to get the orb to somebody to get money. To do that, she needed the orb, which was Chris Pratt. 
but Chris Pratt was under Rocket and Groot's thumb because they needed Chris Pratt to get money. Like everybody was about getting the paper. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, I, I mean, again, I loved that that was the main plot, that their main plot wasn't like they all met up and was like, you know what? We have to go stop evil. Uh, <laughs> So for me, it, it feels much more like all like a mashup of other genres, and and almost to a degree, kind of saying, reminding you all the time, we're not a superhero movie. You know, I think I think by throwing the Nova Corps in there, and and not having Nova pop up, yeah, you know, because had Nova popped up, I might be thinking different, right? Because Nova feels very superhero, it feels very, you know, but it's like almost at every turn, we're not getting that like hero guy with powers guy saving the day you know like even at the point where they're like oh this is going to be genocide you know star lord was still like uh let's don't go give this to the nova Corps. let's still go find someone that's going to pay us <laughs> he calls himself i mean he says star lord is an outlaw name it's not you know i mean it's it's so it's yes nobody sees themselves as heroes they save the day they beat the bad guy and that that surprised me to see ronan killed off but it's it, it you don't know that for sure I, no you don't but it's right. it, it's especially the person he's in contact with has probably has the ability to un, right. either undo that or stop right. it during mid you know so but see that was the one i mean i think the movie is 99.9 percent perfect yeah, yeah i thought the character design and the whole um yeah costume of of uh ronan was could have been a little bit better i'm not I, i'll go one step further and say that the the whole ronan situation could have been a little more like mm. it, it, for a movie that was so entertaining and that i enjoyed so much if i had a disappointment it was that the villain plot felt like another mustache twirler, you know, like, <laughs> a, a little yeah. bit, you know, where there, there wasn't a lot of, it wasn't like Loki and Thor where you had like Loki, you know, there was like, I felt like there was motivation behind Loki. You could half the time you could kind of even agree with them, you know, like mm -hmm. I could see that, you know, where this one was again, you know, I've said this on a couple of shows, but the, you know, it's like Ronan sitting in a chair in an empty ship, like no people on it. And just want to do evil, just want to you know get revenge or whatever. And yeah, they didn't. Did they really say why uh, he wanted to crush? Because he was he was against the the treaty. Yeah, that was his motivation. He he he's such a he's that's a the zealot. whole motivation. He's a for, zealot, and and, yeah, and a they, they need to be judged and and treaty be damned. And you know, I don't. But, I, I spit in the eye of this treaty. Maybe it's just because of being weaned on the on the comics. But I would expect Ronan to be bigger, and and I like. See that. I would expect Ronan to be Thanos sized and Thanos to be bigger than oh, yeah. Thanos. Yeah, I but, just felt like I felt like from a villain standpoint, like again, if we start if we start making and I I don't want this to sound like I'm uh, coming down on this movie because I really no. didn't. This was this is all afterthought. While I was watching it, I had I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Like, at, but if I'm thinking about it, like if we're gonna if you throw in that those Star Wars comparisons, right? Like, like. Darth Vader in the first Star Wars, it's Darth Vader felt like he was attached to a much bigger system and situation because anytime you saw him, you saw a couple other guys in kind of military gear and you saw mm -hmm. soldiers. So even though you still didn't know what the Empire's purpose was or what they did, you felt like there was 
stuff. And right. in this, every time we saw um, Ronin and then when we saw Thanos, again, it was two guys in rooms alone or one guy in a throne in space alone. And so there wasn't that there wasn't that feeling that there was a world beyond them or, or, or things that they were involved in that were bigger and in, in things It just felt very singular and very kind of targeted at them. Um, See, I, I agree with you on Ronan with that, but I think they're using Thanos perfectly. Well, they, I mean, obviously we, I think as comic book readers, we know where that's heading. Yeah. Because I mean, he is, I think, I think he's terrifying because he's, he's untouchable right, right now. And you could tell he is up to no freaking good. I mean, he just, I mean, as far as this Marvel Cinematic Universe goes, he seems to be in the thick of all this crap going don't on. Don't you think that though, the, don't you think that when you realize that he has two super badass assassin daughters and, and, and he wants this orb, uh, to get the, to get the stone, like the only thing that I questioned while I was watching I was like, so he sends his daughters out to help get to because he needs the orb. So he gives them to Ronan, and Ronan sends his daughters to go get the orb. I was like, that's a middleman that's not really necessary. Right. Ronan was absolutely unnecessary to yeah. Thanos. Like, you know, like unless Thanos has a bigger plan, um, or or I mean, it also could be I, I'm there also could be stuff on the editing floor. I mean. Right. I think, I think Thanos would definitely have eliminated the paper trail if Ronan was successful. I, I don't think he, I think Ronan was doomed either way. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Cause you, it's Thanos. Right. He's not gonna, he's not gonna leave loose ends. This, um, I, and I say this still having not seen the Thor sequel, and I don't think that's going to make a difference, but as, I, I think so. Oh, okay. Um, I, Guardians of the Galaxy is my favorite, and I did see Captain America the Winter Soldier, is my favorite, and I find, and I think it's the best Marvel movie to date. Oh, pr- trust me, even if you, you don't have to see the second Thor to, for that to, make, <laughs> That's what or I'm saying. to, to remain true. <laughs> and it I is. Love, I actually loved the first Thor movie. Um, oh, I, I did too. I really, really enjoyed the first Thor movie, and the second one really was a little bit of a letdown. For oh, me. okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, this, I, I, I love the fact that, um, this movie brings us all up, whether you're a, an old school comic book reader or you just went to the movies this weekend to see this, we're all starting at the same level now. The Avengers needed the previous movies leading up to it. Every other move, every other movie in phase one and the couple after, um, all led into each other. This was something new, something different. This was a different area in the Marvel universe and and we're all now on the same level again and it is a uh it, But think think about the build up that Avengers needed in order to be successful. Right, but that's but but I mean but and and Avengers is awesome. And, and, and no, I, I agree, but I'm saying you had Captain America, you had movie for Captain yeah. America, movie for Thor, yeah. multiple Iron Man yeah. movies. They did what the phase one did in yeah. Guardians. They did it in about 20 minutes. Yes. Well, to be, 20 minutes. to be fair on the storytelling front, like on, on the tools at which we're at their disposal, had they come out of the gate with Avengers, they would have had a very tough time, uh, feeding you what 
being a superhero team meant to sure. to the muggles, right? <laughs> like right. because uh that is something that only we really comprehend. Like why do these guys dress completely differently and from different places and different powers and some are human and some are aliens and some are gifted, whatever. Why do they all belong together versus something like the Guardians? It's a language we've all been, you know, we've been watching these kind of movies forever, right? Like the, this is, I think it works so well because for, for maybe the closest, maybe the closest that we've had before, and I don't necessarily agree 100% with this, but I think a lot of people would say is, was, uh, the Dark Knight, right? The second Batman movie or mm-hmm. Nolan's second Batman movie where everybody's like, Oh, it's a great crime movie. I don't really agree with that, but a lot of people felt that way. That, like, despite it being Batman, it was also a very good crime movie. And I think this is the first kind of, like, one of the very first comic book movies that we almost, we almost are getting to the point where we can drop the comic book tag. Like, right. we don't have to add any tags. This was a pretty sweet movie. <laughs> like, it was a cool right. sci-fi movie, you know? Yeah, but the thing for me, uh, I mean... I enjoyed it for what it was, but I also am really impressed at what it's going to do to the Marvel movies from here on out, Mm -hmm. because now, I mean, you know how Hollywood is. Even though Marvel's making these movies, there's a lot of people that need to be convinced that things will work. Mm -hmm. What this does, what Guardians does is now the the scope of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is limitless. Mm-hmm. They can go anywhere. They can do anything. They can put people in space. They can put they can throw characters into a black hole. If you have a super uh, a here a team of heroes that their base is the head of a celestial, <laughs> your your audience will accept anything. Now now they know that they don't have to Hollywoodize the origins or tweak things for a general audience. People will accept. A raccoon in a tree, you know, as characters. So, so this, there is absolutely no limit now. And you know what? I'm, what? Another thing I was thinking: there is a bunch of people who, right now, are breathing a collective sigh of relief that Green Lantern tanks. Be- no, seriously, because if Green Lantern didn't tank, DC would be in the position that Marvel is now, because their their universe would have been expanded yeah. exponentially. But that movie sucked. From what I hear, it's not fast. So now, you know, Marvel's just lucky. Everything they've been doing so far, it takes a lot of skill, but there has been a huge component of luck in what they're doing. And they're just, they're nailing I, it. I think they're, they're thumbing their noses at, at anybody who said, oh, well, now what are you going to do with a bunch of your, you know, I mean, you don't have your X-Men or your Spider-Man, you know, what do you, who you have, who, who yeah. do you have to work with now? And it's like, well, fuck you. It's just, it's, it is now. They can do anything They now. can do anything. And, and I mean, the fact that, we saw nowhere. We saw a celestial uh, in oh, a flash, Jesus. and that was. I, I almost pissed I my see, pants, dude. And okay. I mean, and when Cosmo showed up, I was just like, I was, I was all about it, and and it's moving exactly like I thought, like a celestial. Was. Yes, like yeah. and oh Jesus, I I want that scene on loop. <laughs> they just outside. They uh the, the um with with barely a mention. To anything that came before it, they they Ronan mocks Thanos for going against the primitives, and 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 that's basically the only reference we have to any previous Marvel movie, the Battle of New York and the Avengers. That that's it. Other than that, it was pretty much a a standalone movie. You didn't need anything else. You know, I mean, Thanos was the post scene and and at the end of the Avengers, but that's 
there's like I said, they're surprisingly liberal with with Thanos. I mean, he appeared more than I thought he would. Yeah, he turned around, did his, and then he showed up on the screen when when Ronan's like, "Well, I don't need you. I have the stone." And- well, yeah, and, but they were smart too. They used the collector's pad to tie this movie into almost all the other Marvel movies. Right. Well, yeah, he can be a tie. Yeah, he can be a, a go between. I think you know what you were saying with luck. I gotta say, that I feel like it's. I don't know because I really think that the difference between the two companies is Marvel Studios, since they formed their own studio, put people like John Favreau, Kenneth Branagh, uh, James Gunn, like, uh, we almost had, um, uh, obviously we had for a while, um, Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright, you know, which, I mean, hey, they still did it. To begin with, right? I mean, not everything's going to work out, even with you know whatever the the case was between the two. They're still they're still going down roads with people that they know have voice and have a vision and have proved that in other in, in their other films and and you know outside of you know we have over on the other side we you got uh, the Nolan Batman movies. Obviously, Nolan's a heavy hitter. And, and you get what you, you get exactly what you think you're going to get from Nolan out of that. And then you got Snyder and people, some like him, some don't or whatever. But outside of that, I mean, anything else they've tried is just, I don't know if they're really, I mean, I don't know if I consider Brian Singer to be a guy with a unique voice, right? Like, right. I still think Gunn was a wild card. I mean, you know, what was his claim to fame before this? Slither? It's a great movie, but if I was in charge of a billion dollar more empire would i give a, a a very tenuous movie project to a guy that whose claim to fame is like slither a couple episodes of trauma tv no they don't right. but it's what i'm saying it's risky yes but it, it would have been i think you roll the dice with someone like gun who but it's a, who, who most of the people wouldn't be familiar with as opposed to Joss Whedon. Like you give Joss Whedon Avengers because you pretty much right, know that that's right. going to mesh. They, they needed that to hit though. They needed Avengers to blow up. Oh yeah. And, and so it's, and it's, a, it's a no brainer. Yeah. Right. But, but I mean, yeah, he did the, I think he did the screenplay for Dawn of the Dead, the, the, the remake, which was, I thought was good too. But I think that's a component of it was the guy was probably super hungry. Yeah. But he also, knew yeah, that. I mean, I think that they also are smart. Here's the thing, and, and we we are very quick to make fun of things that are, um, you know, not considered high art or you know, like not me. But, no, I know, yeah, but I, I, we we get uh, our our um, we as in our the collective we. Right, right. You know, we get very judgy with things, but when you got you take a guy like him, uh, like James Gunn, who did trauma stuff, who did Super, who did Slither, but also if I'm a if I'm at the head of a studio and I look at those things, but then I also know that this guy wrote Scooby Doo and Scooby Doo Two and Dawn of the Dead, I'm knowing that this guy has artsy creative ideas, but he's also willing to do what needs to be done mm. when he goes to work. You don't, you dude. Know? I love the Scooby Doo movies. I think they're great. <laughs> Right, but that's what I'm saying. Like I said, that's, those are the movies that I was, I was, I needed to preface that with, like, sometimes we can get judgy. But if I'm sitting there and I'm like, hey, there's that, that kind of Baltour guy, right? That James Gunn guy. He does this, this, and this, but he also kind of, you know, he does Scooby Doo, right? I mean, you don't, you don't normally associate that kind of guy, you know, jumping over to something like that. But it tells me that he's not just, 
he's not just the guy who does the dark movie like super right, right? yeah who's like kind right. of kind of depressing and this and that or whatever he can he can go all over the place and and maybe we can you know it'd be nice to kind of give him material like this see what happens with yeah. it he won't he won't nope. get pissed if you don't get it he'll he'll work with you right right, right. but there was a lot of magic in this movie oh, too like I mean, Chris Pratt. Oh, never, I never, I never <laughs> thought that that guy could carry a movie. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not slighting his ability, right. but Based I on mean, what you've seen, it's if you said cast Star Lord, I don't think Pratt would be high on my list of who I would put in that role. As soon as I saw them cast him, my thumbs were so up that <laughs> my I couldn't draw that day. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I love that dude so much. He is so funny. Yes, he is. Uh, in fact, do you guys ever watch a show called Everwood? No, no. Everwood was on the WB back, kind of early when it was the w, when it became the WB, right before it was CW. And it was kind of on the on around the time of Gilmore Girls, and it was Treat Williams with a was a dad. Oh, okay, I remember the commercials. Right? I remember Treat yeah. Williams. Treat okay. Williams was the dad, and his wife died, and him and his two kids. Yes. Moved to this random mountain town in Colorado to become, yes. and he became like a free doctor, like a, you know, like a, just a for free nonprofit doctor in the town. And so it was just like a family drama. But on the show, uh, and it had the, the, uh, uh, the, the kid's girlfriend on the show was, uh, what's her face from Revenge, uh, whatever. I, I can't remember her name, but her brother on the show was Chris Pratt, <laughs> uh, high school kid. And the first season he played the bully, right? He was mean, dickhead. He was the bully, the big jock bully. But Chris Pratt in real life is so funny. Like, he's such a funny dude. And you could, t- and I didn't know this at the time, but all of a sudden while you're watching the show, it shifts so quickly to him being the goofy sidekick best friend that you're like, what in the world happened? And then once you go on and you start seeing behind the scenes stuff and you watch bloopers and stuff, you realize like, Oh, they knew that this dude was way too funny and had way too much charisma to be the bad guy. Like, he's <laughs> hilarious. So I started liking him back then. And then, of course, when when he got on Parks and Rec, yes. kind of did the same thing too, right? They kind of made him the dick. Yeah. Like, he was kind of the dick for yeah. that, that first six first yep. six, uh, six episode first season. And then second season, they started off there like, nope. Chris Pratt's way too funny. We, we just saw the episode where uh, it was Halloween and he had to, uh, he pretended he was an FBI agent talking, oh my God. interrogating the kid. It was fantastic. It's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. So when they, right when they cast him as Star-Lord, it's kind of how you felt when you went, when they said, Edgar Wright's going to do Ant-Man. Right <laughs> away, you're like, I, I, I already, I haven't seen one single thing and I already know what this is going to be like, you know? It's, it's one of those <laughs> movies where I, I can't, I just thought everybody fit the role. It was perfect casting. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't sit and watch the movie and go, oh, I wonder if this person could have played Drax. No, no, you're right. They, they totally bamboozled you. They, they made those characters. You, they were, and Batista never would I expect, have expected <laughs> to do awesome. Yeah, he was really great. Yeah, man. And, uh, another thing, they, it, the movie did not succumb to the kibble factor like it wasn't like a michael bay transformers the the character designs were sleek they 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 put everything in that they needed yeah. nothing nothing was extraneous they could have gone ape shit with groot but they didn't they kept it low key even even rocket they they kept relatively low key and i was like wow they they're pretty con- that takes confidence when it, the the ship designs were perfect there there wasn't a whole lot of 
you know, different uh, textures and plating and stuff. It was just like, it was unified. It was nice. And and it, it was, it, there, there was a harmony there that you don't usually see in a lot of the big budget yeah. movies. And tell it's me just... when, tell me when, um, when Star-Lord first pops up in that like silhouette of the cave, he looked so badass. Yeah. Like, with those glowing red eyes. <laughs> I just thought that character design was so badass. Yeah. Yep. And it's oh, one yeah. of the and times where we always say like, oh, now they're going to make the comics look like a movie. That is fine. Because yeah, she looks <laughs> awesome. Like, uh, in fact, when I drew my first issue of um, Rocket, when I drew my first issue of Rocket, it was early enough that, you know, uh, the comics hadn't shifted over to that look yet. And, you know, there wasn't stuff going on with that look yet. We hadn't really seen too many detailed shots of the movie so it was very early and i remember i I had emailed uh, up there and i was like hey do we know by the time this is released if which version of star lord is going to be you know the marvel star lord are we going to still be with this kind of weird crazy armor and i'm not saying it's weird and crazy because it looked bad it's weird and crazy because i can't draw that kind of stuff good (laughs) like i just looked at it and i'm like oh my god there's like so many angles yeah (laughs) you know i don't draw angles i draw melted butter right um I was like I don't you know so I don't smart. know what to do and they're like, no, no, yeah, we're gonna totally be in the new kind of red coat, like and I was like, Oh so I had already had him I hadn't inked it yet, but I already had him drawn in a pan in the panel where he's flying the ship and, mm-hmm. and talking to Rocket on the phone and he was wearing his other gear, his old the angly gear. And as soon as they told me I went in digitally on that panel, erased it out, put him in his little coat. And I was like, oh, this is fantastic. <laughs> so I was very excited. And when I saw him in the movie, I just, I thought every, I agree with you, all the character designs, I thought, uh, uh, Zoe Saldana is a N- Namora, right? No, not Namora. No, Gamora. Gamora. Gamora? Yeah, Gamora. Yeah, yeah. Gamora, I thought, like, she looked totally badass. I like, I thought that she looked so badass. And then I also liked near the end, when she she gets she gets a little dressed up and she's rocking a little skirt, but I mean, and not in a, like oh yeah yeah, no. and I'm not talking like in a sexual way. I'm saying right. she was like, hey, now the battle's over. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna put on something a little bit more. Go, go out on the town. Yeah, and 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 she pulled her hair back, and I was like, I I felt like that was such a nice subtle touch that when she, you know she's and she even made that point right. Like I'm dressed like this because Thanos has made me this. Fuck him. I'm pissed off. She's like this kind of hardened assassin that they created. And near the end, when the, when her new family in the new world accepted her, she gets to kind of shed that skin and, uh, you know, put on, put on something and feel pretty. And you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I, 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 I liked that little subtle touch and they didn't, they didn't spotlight it. But no, as somebody no. who was like paying attention to the character designs, I was like, oh, I didn't expect that, you know, because they could have very easily had her coming out there to meet Nova Prime at the end when they're kind of getting congratulated or whatever and, you know, still be rocking knives on her holsters and, you know, being badass. But they didn't. Yeah. They, I, I like that kind of subtle touch. Yep. And uh the uh bridging the gap between – I, I mean the audience didn't know this, but we know it. Bridging the gap between the, the Guardians that were and the Guardians that now – are with Yandu. I thought that character design was perfect. Oh, he was awesome, oh. dude. 
dude. With the, with, yeah. the, with the, in air quotes, mohawk. And, that was fantastic. And, right, right. He didn't need a, no. a red fin on his head, and, and he didn't need to be an archer because he had a damn arrow. That, that says it all. That magic arrow, when, when they did the above shot, the, 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 the bird's eye view, and it's going bing, 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 bing and it's taken out, I was like, Holy shit, that's awesome. Yeah. No one, no wonder they're afraid of the air. Yeah, and they played that great too, right? Because you saw that a million times. Like he kept pulling open his coat and one guy's uh, like, uh. oh shit. And then he'd pull up his coat and everybody acted all afraid. And I'm sitting here like, it's a fucking needle. Grab it. Like, <laughs> like grab it and stab him in the ball, in the eyeball with it. Like, yeah. You know, so grab they're kind it of kept threatening it, threatening it, threatening it. And then you're like, no, this is what this does. And, he, and you're like, oh, that's pretty badass. I, <laughs> I thought the what were they called the wreckers or what were they ravagers. ravagers the ravagers I thought that all the ravager designs were super sick like mm-hmm. uh there was like the blue there was like a blue guy with like hard kind of like swooped back almost almost Groot-esque, you know like uh like kind of like not he, he wasn't dreadlocks but it was just like thick stems coming back from his head that was really cool mm-hmm. I I just thought all the all those designs were great and um I thought James Gunn's I, – I need to find out his name, but James Gunn's brother. Is it Sean? Sean Gunn? Uh, yeah, it might be Sean Gunn, actually. Uh, Craglin, his name was. Well, in the movie. In the movie, yeah. Craglin. His name is Sean in real life. Yeah, I I have been a fan of his. I, this, I can't believe this is the second time I'm referencing this tonight, but uh, Gilmore Girls. He was a major character on the Gilmore Girls. <laughs> and he was so funny on that show. Casey and I loved him so much. And uh, actually – I loved him for so long and I did not know that he was James Gunn's brother until this, till very recently when they started showing like behind the scenes shots of this movie. I was like, Oh, there's it's my Gilmore's girl guy. Um, but I, yeah, I thought, uh, I thought that that whole squad was great. I loved how vibrant the colors of everything oh, was. Like, yes, yes, like yes. one thing when we got ready to do rocket, John, John and I sat down with those pages for about a month and a half and we took one page. And we just recolored it so many times because I just kept telling him like, we, this cannot be grays and blues, not grays and blues. Like I don't want black grays and blues space. Uh, I want things to look crazy and weird and funky and hyper color and all this stuff. And then when I saw this movie, I was like, yes, it's like, it's so vibrant and so bright and colorful. And the, like the, the Ravengers were all super blue like bright saturated blue and bright saturated red um and then you had the sweet spaceships which do you know who designed them yes but the name is yeah, not, i can't remember his name but it's the it's the the dude from uh the jodorowsky his dune movie <laughs> oh nice Damn it! Why can't I remember that name? Okay, yeah, no, and and they're 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 sleek and they're they're like I said, there's nothing extraneous, which is wow, is that a breath of fresh air? Yeah, I mean, yeah. And again, like Star Wars, the, those the designs for the, the the first three, there's nothing wasted on those designs. Yeah, they're, they're they're so economical, so beautiful. Um, those little uh, the little like the little uh, like rentapods. Yes. That they had in the celestial head where it was just like, it's kind of like the, you know, the city bikes, you know? Yes, like, yeah. Like, yeah, uh, these aren't really meant to go in space, but you know, like when you're in the celestial head, rent a, rent a little, rent a little, uh, scooter around pod, you know? It's like a yeah. rent a scooter. Those things look so cool. Uh, and then when he, like, when he was going to grab the thing and like the giant hands kind of, you know, it had like grap- grappling. Ship. Yeah, it was like that old Superman, um, yeah, uh, transporter thing, but it, this movie, that's another thing that this movie, I loved about it was all the really cool sci-fi things like 
Yep. There was some really cool sci-fi stuff. Like when the when the Nova Corps ships connected, oh yes. created that net. Yes. I was like, that's some totally. that's some dope ass sci-fi shit right there. <laughs> yeah, I thought Tholian Web. Look at that. It's the Tholian <laughs> Web again. <laughs> no, and the the part where um Star Lord goes all beast mode where he gets the pod and hooks it into the 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 other ship and he's using the the other ships because yes, they didn't have weapons. yes yes that I, it was like okay hyper mode he just went hyper mode like right there like it, it was brilliant how could you I, I know we've been saying this all week uh, online there, there are a couple of voices a couple of dissenters that don't think it's all that and and that's cool if you don't think it's all that but how could you not revel in the joy that is this so fun. I, I I don't understand it it's just Pure fun they, from get it, and it it moved so quickly. And and the thing is, we were never we never overstayed anywhere. No. We, we 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 were in the kiln. We were in Xandar. We were in nowhere, and everything just it, it flowed, and and nothing felt like at no point did I you know look to see what time it was or how long I've, no, I just it didn't feel like two hours no, at it all. I had a ten-year-old with me. He did not fidget once. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, you, you know how it is, Scotty. Oh, yeah. you, you get a little bit of exposition or a, or a low spot, and they all start. Uh, oh they start yeah. Well, I haven't even I, I haven't button. even reached uh, live action yet. I can't. Like, if it ain't animated, <laughs> he's not sitting. Like, uh, if if it ain't animated, his, the favorite thing of his movie is the rail that he wants to, you know, climb over yeah. in the front row. It's tough to maintain the, the their attention, yeah. but this movie did it with my time. Yeah, like uh, it's it it's it was really fun, man. Like it was, and he's so sharp. When when John C. Riley came on, he he heard him speak, and he Shake goes, me. "Is that Wreck It Ralph?" Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And that was even and and um and and every time, yeah, Pratt wants to. Uh, you know, reference, you know, Ranger Rick, or, you know, it's just, it, it was just, yeah, no, I mean, and the goddamn soundtrack, that is just, that absolutely, uh, and, and the score as well, but, but there's just the music that, that Gunn chose for the scenes, uh, it's just, I can't, but to integrate the soundtrack so closely with the narrative it, was re- really smart. It is just, it, um, they're inseparable. You can't. Oh, you're right. You can't, the movie doesn't work without the and, soundtrack. And, and, and the soundtrack means nothing without the movie. Well, there's also it's such a storytelling. It's such a storytelling beat to the era and the time of the his age. You yeah. know, like and Over not his necessarily mom's his age, but his mom's age. Right. Connection with him. And that's and and it's just I. It the last time I think I wanted a soundtrack so badly or, or played a hell out of it. Was probably Reservoir Dogs when you had Stephen Wright doing the uh, the K Billy Records and and just you know they, those were all seventy tracks throughout that movie too. But um, see, it takes a smart person. These tracks have been around for literally decades, and you can you can get them from a number of sources yep. on the, on the cheap. You can even find them places you know you usually go on the internet. But to put them all together and to the thing that that I love about this soundtrack is it reminds people that this music didn't suck. Right. You know, I mean they, they, they they're great songs they back then. And and back but back in the day we we just saw them as another 
great song, you know, that we heard on the radio. They, they're, they're not, they were really, they weren't highlights of that period. But now, yeah, maybe they were. I'm thinking, you know, this music's pretty great. Here's where, here's where the choices to me were smart. And again, this is, this is me armchair, armchair quarterbacking, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking this is, this is why I feel that it was smart. You could have started that movie off and when he's walking through and he sees that big cavern and it could have went with what we, what we've been having for the last four years, which is, uh, <laughs> the inception song. Okay. <laughs> you know, it could have went into dubstep all of a sudden and the really grinding is industrial. And then what would have happened was everybody who doesn't know what they were there for would have started to glaze over a little bit and be like, Oh yeah, I don't, it's all foreign. Everything's, I don't know what to connect to, but they don't, they have a guy, he pulls out a little sci-fi gizmo, does a thing. Then all of a sudden puts on headphones and he's listening to something that everybody knows. So in a minute, right there off the big, right there at the beginning as a storyteller, I go, here's my point where I could lose them or I can hook them in for the rest of the time. And the hook there was not the cool visual, was not the the cool mask or the cool sci-fi, the cool special effects. It was, let me press play on a thing real quick. And now everybody who doesn't really know what this kind of movie is or doesn't know what Star-Lord is or doesn't know what that, they are connecting. They are, we're talking the same language, at least on one part of this. And right. all of a sudden there's a bridge and we're all holding hands and then we're down. You know what I mean? We're in it. Right. But that scene is really important, not only to introduce the character, but if you, I'm sure you've noticed that scene foreshadows a, a lot of the movie to come. Like it shows the, the little rocket boots that he has, which he which he uses right. to good effect in a crucial scene later on in the movie. It shows his attachment to that device that he I mean, you're in space kicking around. There's these little lizards trying to eat your ass and you take the time mm-hmm. to put your headphones on and jam out like this means something. Yeah, yeah. And that's the other thing. It also like. These are all such good little storytelling tricks, right? Like he grabs that lizard and it shows like how he's just going to, yeah, he's going to use one as a, as a fake mic because that's how used to all this kind of lifestyle he is. Like before he was a human crying in a hospital and now he is so used to outer space living that weird little creatures are playthings to him while he listens to his Walkman. You're right. Fantastic. I, I, I love how the, um, that, oh, I love so much about it, but the the smartest dude in the room was the raccoon. I, it's his plan to get out of the kiln, and then he goes sure. and he he you know he turns the gravity off everywhere, but inside the the control station, and then he uses the security bots to jettison himself out of out of that area, and it's just it everything just freaking made sense, man. Nothing. I didn't watch well, any of this and go, oh, that's bullshit. Yeah, well, they all underestimated him oh, from, up from until get-go, that. yeah. Except, except for Groot. Yeah, this, you know, you, this little fuzzy guy thinks he knows how to get out right. of here. I, I guess we should trust yeah. him, you know. But we're not really sure. And then he, he pulls it off pretty, pretty flawlessly, yeah. even at a disadvantage. Cause Groot goes on and rips that thing off way before yes. he wants to like, right, get the battery now and improvise. That so that, that tells me that, yeah, his plan worked, but it probably would have worked spectacularly if he had the time to plan it. You know, and, and another thing that, that really surprised me, 
I was a little bit hesitant when it happened to to surrender to it, but the the part where Quill confronts uh, Ronan and everything just stops and he starts singing the <laughs> Ooh out. No, there, there was a point where like, oh, this is uncomfortable. Yeah. And then it kept going, I'm just and I was like, bro. but I was distracted. Yes. You know, so it it works so well, but that to me that was a very very risky thing to do, especially in that crucial moment where you have the the you know the downward slope of the movie, and this is I mean you're in the you're in the clinch right here. You got to put up. This is it. This is the end of the movie, and to put that that roadblock right there is perfect. I thought it was great. And I mean, and then they ended up they were like the Care Bears at the end. I mean, they they, they held hands and and they beat the bad guy with like the power of love. It was just it was nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all, man. Worst and it just, and this thing though that that felt this was a this felt like a Marvel comics movie to me more so than the others and and i mean shit like that this studio these characters the way these movies look they can get away with that i don't think we've we've read final crisis and superman sung stop but but you know (laughs) you wouldn't see that in in any of of the warner brothers movies you wouldn't see any levity like that you should be able to but no they they would have thought about it for 20 minutes (laughs) but it's it's just it's rooted they uh but i don't want to make it no no, i'm not not trying to i'm just i'm just saying that that i mean that's why it 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 works for me it's just that i mean this this was the uh living version of of books i grew up reading and and i mean yeah i mean granted this version of the guardians has is, is kind of only been around since like you know 08 or slightly before then but right. the, the characters themselves um i'm familiar with drax i'm familiar with thanos i'm familiar with ronan you know i mean it, it's just i it, but they're such great characters they don't need a whole lot of fleshing out like thanos you just have to look at him to to think he's the bad guy yeah, he's pretty, he's not he's up to no good, um, but I think you know it, it makes me kind of sad that we're not getting the Superman movie that we all know the character is capable of 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 carrying, and I think once you know maybe this will be the movie that makes a lot of people out there in Hollywood land realize that maybe we should let people make the movie that they want to make. Instead of putting, you know, 10,000 different cooks in the kitchen and wondering why the soup tastes like ass when it's done. No, seriously, let these people have their vision. What's wrong with it? This, this movie proves that a guy who was basically, you know, battling it out in, in the independent film trenches can make a billion dollar movie. And in this movie will be a billion dollar movie. You think so? Come on. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, like I said, I mean, well, the Pat Lake has already seen it seven times. The, uh, it's. That does not surprise no, me. I mean, the record right now is Avengers with 31, and I have a feeling he'll probably top it with this one, but. Wait, wait, wait. About 31 times, is that, that's including like watching it on DVD, or he paid to see it 31 times? I, he saw it in the theater. I'm not saying he paid 31 times. He may have gone with friends and they paid, but whatever. I mean, sometimes people just want to go to the movies with somebody and they'll pay, but he saw it in the theater 31 times. I love Pat, but. That's kind of cray. I think I, I think I saw I saw the first I saw the Michael Keaton, Tim Burton, Jack Nicholson, uh, Batman. I think I saw that about a dozen times in the theater oh in eighty nine. Yeah, um, but uh, and I didn't I didn't pay each time either. But um, 
Like I said, it's, it's a movie that, let alone, never mind that you just want to go see it again because it was so fun. You, you kind of have to go to see what, what else the collector had back there or just, I mean, to, to, to listen to, to the puns again and, and just, I, I could, yeah. seeing, again, it, it, it goes, having Groot do what he does and then turn around and fucking smile at his crew or, or rocket, it, it Trying to commandeer any, um, you, you know what line got me the most in the entire movie? We are Groot. Yeah. <laughs> that, I, I was okay <laughs> with the whole cocoon thing and, and, but when, when he, I, but then, I, but I it, it cocooned, like, heart, but when, when he said we are Groot, I was like, <laughs> I did the old, the old snort thing. I didn't, I want to be cool because I'm with my yeah. son, right? <laughs> I, I, Did we lose Scotty? Is Scotty still here? Scotty, my boy. What? Oh, no, oh he, I'm just he, checking. Cause um, he, that? No, he posted a message. I didn't see it. <laughs> oh, okay. Gotcha. But yeah, I'm sorry for inter- interrupting you. The puns. You were talking about the puns. Yeah. Uh, no, it was just it's it's there are. I I enjoyed everything from start to finish. Everything in it. Everything about it. Moments that um. Renee enjoyed pretty much all had to do with Rocket. And that's the other thing with Rocket. It, I, I'm, I had my eyes closed once or twice trying to figure out, you know, did I, did I maybe hear that voice in Wedding Crashers or in, 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 I did not. For movies. I'm like, I have no idea. Like, that could have been, you didn't have to get Bradley Cooper to play Rocket. It didn't sound anything like I ever heard Bradley Cooper sound like before. No, but I think that's another testament to like, it wasn't about everybody was afraid we were going to get Bradley Cooper. Exactly. Here's the, here's the thing: we did. We got an actor who gave us <laughs> a character. And I mean, that could just be him sitting, like, you know what? I'm going to just do something I haven't done before, and this is how. I'm, and that's and that it, it worked. I absolutely had no. He didn't sound Australian like he did in one of the cartoons a while ago. He just it was it 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 worked. I absolutely loved it. I, I don't whether it sounded like Bradley Cooper didn't that didn't bother me. It didn't even really sound like Vin Diesel, but it just it it all everything about it. And and that was the other thing with as far as the the actors go. Gamora was nothing like Uhura, who's nothing like Aisha from The Losers or I didn't see Avatar, but I mean I I didn't look at at Zoe Saldana and say, "Oh, that that's just her. She's just painted green." It just I, I was absolutely. I know. I was just absolutely. I I was sucked in from start to finish. I wasn't looking to nitpick anything. I didn't have time to look to to, to nitpick anything. I was just they they had me. I just want to hear you say one thing. What? Come on, Nebula, Karen Gillan. Oh, she was. She was. Oh, my, I I was so as soon as Thanos says. It, my favorite daughter and they turn to Nebula and she's just, well, that's just swell dad. And she gets up and I'm like, dude, your daughter is, your other daughter is right there. And you call Gamora your favorite. It's like, Nebula's sitting right next to you. But no, I mean, as far as the performance, you got to give her props. It's fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic. And apparently she's going to be on a show on, on, on ABC in the fall. So, I mean, you know, Disney knows what they have with her. Um, but that's a bold, I mean, a bold choice. She took her trademark, which is the red hair, totally shaved it off. 
it was, and she's a, she's a great actress. But come on, I mean, you know, there's certain Anne Margaret, red hair, Karen Gillan, red hair. That's the thing that we we look for when we see these people. In addition to the fact that they can act, but and to paint her blue and stick her in a costume where her assets are not really visible, right. she she had to act, and I think she did really well. I thought the um, I thought the fight scenes were great. I just I, yeah, no, there isn't anything I could you could say what you want. I mean, you know, you you want to talk about. You weren't keen on, on Ronan's look. I, especially when he stood over that, I don't know what was up with the different colored liquids. I mean, they, they, they splashed Starlord with, with the orange Gatorade and then, and then Ronan throws Drax and, and, and that yellow. Well, see, that's just, that's just playing with. No, I, and, and, and that's fine. It was just, it was, it was noticeable to me that it's like, here are these bright primary, almost primary colors where, but even, even when he's but, standing over Drax where he thinks he's killed Drax, I thought Ronan looked pretty kick-ass right there. So yeah, but see the thing about the orange liquid when they throw um, Drax into the the pool, I think I think the celestial goo did something Ooh, to it. That him. was yellow. That was yellow. That the, was yellow. The, the orange was in the prison. It was like the delousing. Yes, yes. Right, right. But w- once he's fighting Ronan yep. and and Ronan picks him up and throws him in that pool, yep. we're in the middle of nowhere, yep. and that's all celestial whatever. Gunk. That I'm thinking that did something to him because he like later on in the movie that may be uh, another one of the reasons why he doesn't uh, dissolve. Like that. okay. That's actually not a bad. Uh, that is, yeah. That's not a bad really because I I did specifically wonder they made such a point of showing him go down in it. Yeah, and, yeah. And I I I wondered why someone like Ronan who like. Uh, smashed a guy's head right in, in his first scene with a hammer mm-hmm. um, yeah. to drag this guy who called him, who basically called him out, like, come outside and fight me, yep. um, to drive all the way over to fight him and then just drug him and then just kind of tossed him in a pool. Uh, so, yeah, you actually, I didn't think about that. You might be right. That might be a good catch. Yeah, thank you. It was, uh, but it was, it's, it's, um, no, I, I, I know you, you weren't feeling Ronan's look. I didn't have a problem with it. I just, it, it's, it's okay. It's, I just no, thought I it could have, it, but it, it, you're right. And, and, uh, no, I, I, um, yeah. He just looks like he was eating one of those, um, Ice cream pops that they dip in the chocolate stuff and it just got on his face, well, you know, like the, the, that with the, yeah, with, with, with them smearing. I mean, I, I thought the headdress was nice. I, I, like, yeah, I yeah, no, I, and the hammer was, was, hammer was, was great. Awesome. That, that's the, the tiniest nit that, that I can pick right. in the, in the entire movie. What I really want to know is now that we got Scotty here, mm-hmm. uh, final order cutoffs on, um, rocket three. Are they in yet? I want to know if this movie, if you see a bump. Uh, I don't think Final, final Order cutoffs don't, it's like usually, I, I want to say two weeks, like two weeks before. Ah, oh, okay. It might be two or three weeks before, and, and yes, two just came out. So we're probably a week or two away from FOC on that, I think. So uh, I'm going to be very goes. interested as well. Yeah, I bet you it goes up. Yeah, we'll see. I hope, uh, I hope. I would not be mad at that. <laughs> so the, the your initial run uh, for this one story is going to go five issues. Um, I think four. I mean, I think the first trade will be five issues, but the first little arc I have is four. 
Um, okay. And then, uh, and then I'll do something kind of cool for the fifth. And, and then after that, I'm, I'm more than likely going to kind of do ones and twos and what, you know, kind of, uh, with a little bit of a through line in the, in the background and just have some fun and really explore some stuff. So they, I hope they're going to go premiere hardcover for the first collection. You know, I have no idea. I, I, I don't know at this point. <laughs> I'm so addicted to the Marvel hardcovers. They just feel good. They look good. I, I, I need it in a hardcover. <laughs> you will be able to get a pretty chunky hardcover coming up here, I think, next month. It's like September, October. My uh, Oz Omnibus comes out. Right. It's like 1,200-some yes. pages. It's <laughs> crazy. Now, how do you feel when you... When- How's that going to make you feel when you get that thing home, plop it on the table, and just look at that? And you have slaved over every single page in that thing. It, That's a lot of work, buddy. It's a lot of work. And it's so funny because I remember very specifically um, around when I was working on the third volume. And uh, and around that time, they had announced um, the Dark Tower. Uh, they were doing like a two-volume omnibus with slipcase. Uh, of Dark Tower around the time I was working on the third volume, and I I had emailed I had emailed uh, David Gabriel up at Marvel. I was like, "Hey, when uh, what's up? When we get an omnibus?" Because <laughs> I was just I wanted one so bad. And he was like, "Make it to six. And I, he's nice. like, "And I was like, oh yeah." So but I remember so specifically. I mean, three years later, you know, we finished the sixth volume or whatever, two and a half years later, whatever it was, and. And uh, now, really, now it's actually coming out, and uh, the the the. I mean, it's cool enough to see six volumes of a book that that you did every page in. Um, but when uh, to have it in one big hardcover, that's probably impossible to read because it's so mm, heavy. You got to put like that. a pillow on your lap, so it doesn't but, so it doesn't bruise your your delicate thighs. It's amazing that you have the um, ability to, like, the last six years of your life now has a physical presence. Yeah, it's going to be. Uh, that's a that's a little strange. I mean, how many other um, mediums could can can, can say that? Okay. You know what I mean? You could just chunk. That's six years of my life right there. Yeah. How how speaking of that, how cool is our comics? Like this yeah. this world and this business and this and this hobby that we all have. It is so cool that it's riddled with so many variations on the making of it where you've got some books that are made by 10 people and it's great. And you've got a book that's made by four people and it's great. And you've got this book over here that's made by one person and that's great. And it's like Mm -hmm. all these visions and variations on the vision and, and very little barrier between you know, despite the hyperbole that we hear thrown around on Twitter and, and online and, you know, the overlords doing this and whatever, blah, blah, blah. Very little barrier between people who want to tell the stories and telling those stories. You know, right. uh, I mean, obviously we got, when you get to image, there's no barrier at all other than, you know, is it good enough to publish? Uh, then you get to Marvel and, and I mean, I can speak for myself right now, you know, my, my situation, for the longest time has had almost nobody standing in my way telling me anything for the, for a very long time. And with Rocket, I've had such a good relationship and, and good time that I don't know, man. I just, there's, there's almost no cooler medium than what we do and what we read when, as far as just 
taking in story and ideas and they're so big and they can be so small and so silent and so loud and all these things and for really relatively little money, right? Like, yeah. it's so cool when you really sit down and just think about it. If we stop and think, you're like, like you said, you I mean, you just made the point. How many other mediums can you say, check out what I did la- the last six years? Here it is. Like, this book tells you. Like, this book tells you when my little brother had a heart transplant. This book tells you when my kid was born. This book tells you when my dad died. This book tells you, like, inside these pages, all these things of life happened. And now it's inside these two hardcovers, you know? Uh, it's pretty great. It's pretty awesome. Oh. Jeez. Um, yeah. Wow. Uh, you just totally derailed my train of thought. Uh, oh, I thought I was, but, but that's a good I thing. I thought I was going with it. No, you, because you, you caught me off guard. You made me feel you bastards. You're talking about all these big moments in your life containing this book. And I'm like, holy shit. This, this, this thing has, has weight. There's, there's, it's for real, right? It is for real. And I think, you know, it's one of those things that as I get older and, and do this longer, and, and, uh, and you look at it and what it means to people and what it means to me or what it means to anybody, you start, you're, you kind of always got to remind yourself that, and this is coming from somebody, I mean, I pick up books and I think, oh, this, wow, this looks lazy. Or, you know what I mean? We all have those thoughts when we mm-hmm. read these things, but then you re- remember like, man, people make these things, right? Like, like real living, breathing, people at the other end of this make these things right so even even when they're not fully amazing or they're so amazing like you know i know stories of people who are going through maybe the worst times in their life and they're getting people are picking up their books and being like it's just pure genius right these the work that they're putting out is genius on the page and meanwhile behind the scenes they're just having a rough time and right. and and vice versa where the you know everything's going great and everything you know and so it's it's so cool Sometimes to think about the, again, to remind yourself that not, not so cool, but it's, it's, it's good and humbling sometimes to remind yourself that these things are always made by a, by a, uh, a person on the other end. So it reminds me to kind of like get myself a little bit more even when thinking about them, you know? Right. You see, and that's one thing that Jason gets on my ass for all the time because I, I always stress the point that there are human beings behind this stuff. He's like, nah, son, as you know how Jason is, right? <laughs> And and I'm I just like you 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 got to connect with the human beings that are making them. The, the art is great, and the proof is in the pudding. I understand that, and what you get on the page is 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 the final that's product. What's judged, right. That's what's judged. But there are a lot of different things going on behind those pages. But still, and, no, but see, I what Jason's point is is like, listen, it, I, think I it just like, like that. That's what you can be. You know, there's obviously somebody who you know put that. Help put that car together, put that art on the page, built this house. But if you're judged on the work, you may be the greatest dude in the world. And, and, you know, that's one thing. That's, that's the person. That's the artist, not the art. If, if, if your art is on the page and that's there to be judged, you may not be feeling that art. That doesn't mean that you don't care about the dude who did the art. Right, right. And because he's also trying to get in your ass. You got He does exactly, but you got to give a little bit of leeway. Human beings falter from time to time, and you know you got to expect the 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 things they produce will do be work in tandem with that. But that's all I'm saying. Don't be too too hard on these cats. They're doing the best they can in most cases. 
<laughs> I gotta, gotta hedge my bet there a little bit. Uh, but yeah, so is that enough Guardians that we want to talk about a little bit more? I think, I think we did the movie just. Yeah, I think I we think. nailed it. Yeah. What a triumph. Good, good. I can only imagine what we have coming up next. Yeah, and I think, that, and it's not, no matter what we gave away or, or whether Rocket is so mad he's kicking grass, it, it, no matter what we talked about, it's still something that needs to be seen. So, so, unlike, Ooh, I oh, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, uh, you know, unlike Vince's other spoilery reviews, you're not, Dick. <laughs> you're not, you're, uh-huh. you're not reliving it just because we're talking about it. You need to go, and it's, it's, I don't care if you're a Marvel Cosmic fan, I don't care if you don't like Living Trees, it doesn't, it, this is a good, fun, movie period this scratches all sorts of itches yeah i remember what i was going to say when scotty got me out of the clamped um i think this movie you know it's one more baby step to convince people that you what they have known in japan since day one that the the ghettoization of comics in 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 the united states that's going away little by little by little and this is just another another step towards the good i think well, I think comics one day will be accepted as a legit art form, like like they are in Japan. Like everybody reads them in Japan. Businessmen, wives, I mean housewives, kids, teens, tweens, everyone. They all read comics, and they they they're not shunned. They're not like they you know they're not doing it underneath their jacket or reading it in secret. They're they're embraced over there. I think we're getting there slowly but surely. We're getting there. I would love to see that happen, where everybody and their brother thinks comics are cool and reads them. Love it. It'll happen, I hope. Be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Alright, let me check the clock on the wall and see what, what kind of thing we're working with here. Ooh, wow, we chewed up a lot of time. Good stuff. <laughs> Holy mackerel, we only got a half hour. I don't want to be Chris. We, we Usually at this point, we'll be, you know, winding down, but well, let's see what we can do here. David, um, what have you read? No, let's go with Scotty, yes, because please. I want to hear what Scotty's groove yes. is on. Oh man, um, I have, what have I been reading through lately? I've been reading through the Adventure Time hardcovers. Nice. <laughs> yes. There's three volumes of that, plus I got the short stories collection. Though, they're kind of, they're slightly oversized. Man, those are some beautiful printed books. Like, uh, I, I'm not kidding you when I say the, the three, or I, I mean, I got three volumes of that, the short, short story volume, and then there's a cover volume. So I've got, Five hardcover Adventure Time hardcovers, and I'm hard pressed right now to say there's a better produced hardcover in collections right now. It is really that that well designed and, and printed. Um, so I've been reading through those uh, little by little, and then I'm, I'm so scattered on everything else. Um, I'm trying to think of what. Oh, I started, but I've just started. I'm in the starting seconds right now. Oh, ah, you hmm. read that last week in anticipation for um, Jason's return because he read it. Yeah, um, yeah. You guys said you were going to save it, and then I was yeah. hoping that you wouldn't talk about it tonight. No, we won't. We won't definitely talk about it tonight. I, I, I um, I didn't even. I know Vince liked Scott Pilgrim. I don't remember where Chris stood on yeah, it. Cool. Jason tried it and bailed, and based on everybody's what you guys have talked about it. I haven't read it, but um, 
this I gave a shot and and I'm quite happy I did. If you were a gamer back in the day, you'll really like Scott. I, I th- but you don't have to be. Right. No, you don't, but it helps a lot. Yeah, I mean, have you guys seen stuff- the movie? Yeah. How was it compared? Well, not even compared, but just how was the movie? I think the 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 comic is infinitely better. Okay. I think that, but I love the movie. I thought it was I thought it was cool. Uh, the the um the, it was very kinetic and very unpredictable, and um it, there there was an air of anything can happen and anything did happen. I mean, when you have uh you, when you have two DJs battling a band, you know, dueling dueling musicians from across the room from each other, and the DJs throw out some sort of giant hologram. You know, snake in the air, and then the band's music produces a giant glowing, you know, neon yeti, and, the, and, the two, <laughs> and their two avatar beasts fight in midair. That is sick. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, 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 it is. I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I the, the sequentials just sold it better for yeah, me. I mean, yeah, it is super fun. Yeah. Um, but I didn't try seconds yet. I, maybe for next week. I'm still working on Ms. Marvel. How far did you get in that? Three. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't want to talk about no, it. No, that's fine. Um, I got, I have something that I, I I'm absolutely in love with. What you got? I think this came out maybe last week or this week. I don't know. I got it in my box. It doesn't really matter when it came out. It's a collection of um uh, a series that was masterminded by uh, Tom Neely. Tom has done not a, a whole lot of work, but everything he's not, there's not like massive amounts of Tom Neely out there. But but everything he does just resonates with me. The guys, I think he's amazing. He did the Wolf. Uh, you may have heard of the Blot. That was really well received. He did a, a nice uh, chunk of uh, IDW's short-lived Popeye ongoing. Remember me back in the day talking about Tom Neely's art on Popeye? Uh-huh. The, the guy does, uh, gig posters. He did a comic based on the, the music of the Melvins. So, right here, right in my heart. And he's got a series coming out, um, from Image with, uh, Keenan Marshall Keller called Humans. You've probably seen the, the, the promo art from it. The monkeys on the, on the motorcycle. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Well, um, this, I think it's brilliant. Uh, this is his mastermind. Uh, it's called Henry and Glenn Forever and Ever. And what it is is, it it, it is it is the the, the heart rending uh, story of Henry Rollins and Glenn Danzig. They are lovers, and and they live together, and and the the, the comic is just the their their daily escapades and things that go on in their lives. And I think it's friggin' brilliant. Uh, I don't know if I have to tell the listeners who Henry Rollins and Glenn Danzig are. Do I? Henry Rollins, Black Flag. Dancing, dancing. Um, it, it, well, yeah, Misfits, seminal punk rock uh, group. Misfits, Sam Hain. Dan, uh, he's a publisher uh, for Verotic. That's his imprint, and he does very unique um, horror uh, splatter sexual characters like uh, uh, Satanica and all that. Uh, they both have a penchant for bodybuilding. Uh, Henry Rollins' neck is his thick as is i think a planet but um henry is the nurturer he's 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 the 
he's he's silent he's comforting he's very he he operates on a very even keel he's he's deliberate and and thinks about things as you would expect henry rollins to do i mean his spoken word uh performances the guy's a thinker right so it's no different in the book and glenn is i want to say i may get in trouble for this but Glenn is the woman of, of of the two. He when he's not going out for cat litter, uh, <laughs> and that's in the, love it. That's in the, it's in the book oh, too. That's awesome. There's a running joke like, "Don't forget the cat litter." <laughs> Perfect. Right? He he he's very Glenn is very emotional, and, and he's very committed to the Dark Lord. <laughs> Let's just say. So, um, I, I'll only tell you about the first story. Uh, you could you could pretty draw pretty much draw a line for, from the rest. It, it's called buried secrets, and um, there's another another running joke with cereal boxes in this thing. Uh, when the story opens, uh, Glenn is eating cereal, and they're called Lemmy O's, Lemmy from from Motorhead. Then <laughs> later on, there's a box of cereal that says Sun, and it has you know the group Sun. Oh, with the with the wave the the open the end parentheses after it. That that's the cereal box later on. It's just um, uh, Tom Neely knows a lot about music, and it shows in this thing. But um, Henry's kind of pissed off. He's like, Glenn, why do we have a huge mound of bricks in our backyard for like ever and ever and ever? And he's like, I was building an altar to the Dark Lord, and the bricks stay; they can't go. And we later found out that Glenn is using the bricks. To imprison his mother, mother in, in this underground, Perfect. you know, you know, um, enclosure. Henry and Glenn have neighbors, and and they are also two servants to the Dark Lord. Whenever they appear, they have black robes on and the pentagrams around their neck, and it's Hall and Oates. Oh shit! <laughs> Hall and Oates are their friggin' neighbors, right? And the one part, Henry's talking to Hall and Oates, and it's like. He blows money on this huge pile of bricks and, and, uh, Oates goes, <laughs> he blows. And, and Henry says, but like he gives up halfway through the construction of this thing and like there's this mess in our yard. And Daryl Hall says, I can't go for that. <laughs> says, no can do. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Come on, that is gold. How could that not make you smile? <laughs> Pretty great. But, but, oh, it is. Um, Glenn takes a, uh, um, he goes to a bathhouse where Lars and James <laughs> are in the, 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 like the sweat lodge. Um, they, uh, there's a Kirby thing in here. There's a Kirby pastiche of Glenn dressed as the, the, uh, the demon. And he's, he's calling for his mother. But once, uh, Henry figures it all out, he moves the bricks and inside the, the underground lair is, is, uh, Glenn's mother. And it looks just like, Miss, is it Mrs. Weatherby from Archie? The teacher. No, uh, well, it's Mr. Weatherby's the principal. Um, what's, what's the teacher's name? Grundy, is it? Yeah, it's Grundy. Yeah, it's Grundy. Um, there's the art style shift too. That's one thing about Tom Neely. As he displayed on Popeye, he can, he can switch full, back and forth to a bunch of different styles. Like he could do classic, you know, um, Popeye styled, uh, artwork in the, in the E.C. Seeger mold, but then he can switch it up and he does a perfect Kirby ape. I mean, there's, there's a Kirby section here. It's, it's awesome. It's just amazing. He got, he has the inking down and the shadows down perfectly. But, uh, as the story goes on, they cook up this, this plot to get rid of Glenn's mother. 
and um, Glenn is kind of impetuous and and you know he wants her out of here. He's got a real problem with his mother. So while they're forming this plan, Glenn goes to his little altar in the basement and and does a ritual where he summons. Um, well, he tries to summon Satan and get him to to do his will, but unfortunately, he doesn't summon Satan. He 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 summons uh, Baphomet and makes a deal with Baphomet, but it's not really Baphomet. It's one of uh, it's it's King Diamond actually with a Baphomet mask. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, and the mask is the goat mask from The Devil Rides Out. Glenn has the goat mask from The Devil Rides Out. And if you've seen, are you guys familiar with The Devil Rides Out? Mm-mm. It's a classic Hammer film. Christopher Lee's in it, Charles Gray, Terrence Fisher directed it, Dennis Wheatley wrote it. Uh, I think the screenplay is, uh, uh, Richard Matheson wrote the screenplay. It's, it's amazing. And Neely just drops it in this, in the story. Like it's, it's, it's so subtle. But it just speaks volumes about how much this guy knows about horror movies and heavy metal and um, just music in general. Um, Rob Halford does the introduction to the book. He's a character in the story. He he's the 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 at the register in a fetish shop. There's like all dildos all around, and Rob Halford's in it. <laughs> but anyway, things go horribly awry, and not the way they intended. Um, the, they, they wanted to dress up a bunch of their friends like zombies and scare the mother into thinking that there's a zombie apocalypse. So they all dress up as their favorite version of Eddie from Iron Maiden. You have the, you know, the, the killer's Eddie's there and time. Yeah, power slave Eddie. And, but, but they know things are starting to go south when a couple of their friends show up, like Rob Zombie shows up. And and Glenn's mother says, "Oh, Rob, you look more terrible than usual." <laughs> but he's a zombie. He's a deadite, and they do an Evil Dead pastiche, like the "Swallow Your Soul" line comes into it. It's amazing. But the whole thing ends with Lemmy Kilmeister driving a tank, and Ted Nugent is riding the turret like a big dick, and he's just he has a crossbow and an automatic weapon in his hand, and he's just killing people left and right. Do I have to embellish this anymore? Why, why don't you have this book? It's so good. But, I mean, Neely's not the only person that appears in this thing. Tom Scholey, Jim Rugg. Let me get the credits here. Um, let's see. Names you may you may know. Um, that, that, that Katie Skelly's in here. Uh, Zach Sally. Nate Powell. Uh, Tom Neely, Jeff Ward, Coop is in here, Shaky Kane, uh, there's a ton of people. My boy Josh Bayer has not one but two strips in here. Yeah, and Jim Rugg does a, a variant cover for one of the, one of the single issues and he does an amazing Tom of Finland. Nice pull quote, by the way, bro. What do you mean? On the, uh, Josh Bayer book. Come on, it's Josh Bayer. Um, Henry's shirtless. And he's he's driving a motorcycle and Glenn's riding bitch, and it's it, you'd be hard pressed to tell it wasn't Tom of Finland. You know Jim Rugg; he can work in a ton of st- different styles too. This thing, this book is amazing. It's like two hundred and fifty some pages. Cover price seventeen ninety five. Mm. Why don't you own this already? Boom. You you will laugh. Benjamin Mara's in here. 
Uh, who else do we have? I'm trying to go through the pages. So, so is this all new material or, or is this? No, it's a collection. That's what I thought. Of, okay. No, there is new material right, in it, but it's not completely new, and it's not the completely um, this, the, the gags and the strips. Right. Okay. It was. <laughs> there's a there's a full color section in the back, and Glenn is working pottery, like Demi Moore and Ghost. <laughs> yes, I've seen that. <laughs> and Henry's behind him with the hands on the hands. <laughs> Oh, this book brings me so much joy. But no, it's a collection of the four issue uh, miniseries. Do we still call them that? Four issue series of Henry and Glenn Forever and Ever, which is a sequel to, I think Henry and Glenn Forever was a one time deal. It was like a 68 page, uh, one shot. I, I have it here somewhere. But, um, Tom Neely does Henry as Cable and Glenn as Wolverine in a really sharp Liefeld, uh, uh, pastiche. There's, it's, I, I, I can't tell you how much I love this thing. There, Henry and Glenn are on the newlywed game. It's a story. <laughs> but it's not making fun of you. Right. It's, it's just like, what if, oh, Matthew Allison is in here. Oh no shit, good fam. No, I'm not kidding. And it plays upon that one video where Glenn gets decked. Like the, the one guy said, Hey dude, do you mind going on a little bit later? And, and, uh, Glenn says, fuck you motherfucker and tries to punch him. And the guy just takes Glenn out with one punch. One punch. No, he does. He knocks him out in one punch. And there's, there's a, there's a kind of extrapolation on that. Like the, the guy punches of uh, Glenn and he goes down. And then, um, one of Glenn's characters from the Verotic comics comes out. And he gets punched out, and then Henry comes in dressed like as a Superman character, and he gets punched out, and as they're all laying stacked on each, on top of each other, Glenn says, Henry? And Henry says, yeah, I love you, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end of the awesome. It's amazing. Oh, I'm two weeks away. Uh, Keenan Marshall Keller's in here, the, the guy with which uh, Neely's doing that human series. So... It, it's just all kinds of amazing. It's published by Microcosm, but there's a there's a another imprint here. Uh, let's see, Microcosm and I will destroy you comics. I think I will destroy you comics is Neely's uh, thing. So it's amazing, and there's an intro, introduction by Rob Halford. You got to get this. My love is real. Aww. It is. It is real. So that that's my thing for this week. Oh, I couldn't put it down. I got a huge box from DCBS this month. A lot of different stuff. And this is the one thing I, I pulled out. And once I started it, couldn't put it down. Nice. Yep. Yeah. Nice. So now, David, it's your turn. Oh, man. Um, well, I was... Crazy stuff. Uh, let's see. Well, I, I'm, I'm caught up on trees and saga. Oh, I... What I've been reading the past couple of days is I'm trying to, I'm going back. I haven't started volume two yet, so I'm going to start that probably tonight. And I, 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 I read up to number 17 of the current, because I'm all in that mood. I am current on the Bendis Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, see, I'm not current. Um, there's so much good stuff to read. I'm oh, there absolutely is. There absolutely oh. is. Because I, I mean, I have to get. I, I have to. I heard. Um, 
Uh, I believe Joey today said that uh, the last issue of the Lemire Sorrentino Green Arrow came out. So I know I'm a few issues behind on that, so I have to finish that. So yes, and, and it's a good problem to have. I mean, you know, I did read, oh, I read yeah. the first issue of Rocket Raccoon. Scotty absolutely loved it. It was, oh, um, thanks man. No, it was, it was, it was funny. No, it was, problem. I mean, it looks great. And, and you're right. The colors fucking pop. I, I think it's awesome. The, uh, I, I, I like how there's enough there where, um, I mean, the title of the arc is, is, you know, the, the chasing tail and, and, and then he's, you know, it, it chicks <laughs> dig the tail. And it, I mean, there are things, it, it's like the old books of bunny cartoons where the grownups can get some of the jokes that'll go over the kids' heads, but it looks cool. So the kids are into it. It, it's, um, it, I, the, the last page was an absolute, I, I love that with, with all the screens and, and finding out what's going on. And I, I, it, it's, it's just like an issue of, of slot Spidey where I'm like, I, I get to the end and I'm like, well, I, I need to know where this is going now. I, it, <laughs> I thought I was going to just be laughing along and, and it's, it's a cute comic, but now, now that there's an actual honest to God story and, and, uh, and let's it, not push it. Let's not push, push. Well, no, I'm saying it's, I need to, <laughs> I, I want to see this end now. I mean, it, it, you have me, you have me hooked. I mean, I was going to check it out regardless, but when no, I, I mean, when, now, I, when, out, when I figure out where it's going, I'll let perfect. you know. Perfect. All right. Thanks. I'll see that. That's exactly what I want to hear. I'm, I'm glad you're allowing this thing to have a life of its own and yeah. tell you where it wants to go. Yeah, it feels, was it, it feels organic because you get to the end and you're like, well, that, that all made sense. But you let it, it – there's a flow to it. It's not like I have 20 pages and, and I have to make – and I have to hit these beats. There's just it, – it, See, that's the thing I wanted to say. It felt like it, there was extra pages there. There's a lot going on. Was that a little longer than usual or was it no, to stand – right at 20. Yeah. Right at 20, I just, I really, I like things. One of the things that I wanted to do when I started writing for myself is move. Like, um, uh, uh, Brian Bendis put out, um, a book, uh, this month called Words for Pictures, Mm -hmm. uh, writing for comics. And, you know, he asked us a a bunch of us, uh, artists uh, during one of the sections, you know, some things and, and, uh, how we interact with writers and, and things like that. And one of the things that I, that I said was, um, I like locations to change. You know, when you're, when you have a 20 page book, again, you, we spend a lot of time drawing this thing. And if you have to spend, you know, 10, 11 pages in one room, uh, that week or two drawing that is, can be very dull, you know, like, and it very, it gets hard, you know, that's where you start to get deadline problems because you're like, all right, where's the motivation today? You know, where's the, I'm, you know, I feel like today is yesterday and yesterday is the same, you know, so it's, it's this repeating. So I always, one of the things that I like from books as a fan and that I wanted to try to put in as a, as a writer was making sure that every couple pages or, you know, that the story's always moving, the character's moving, and you, as the reader, are jumping along with it, you know. So we're at a wrestling match. Now we're in the now we're in the the bowels of the 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 arena. Now we're in this. We're there, you know. Like really jumping around and making sure that you're always feeling like, uh, you know. In the second issue, I'm even uh, I, I'm, I'm a little bit even more all over the place that came out today. But um, yeah, I don't know. I I really just wanted to feel that, but I also didn't over plan. You know, I had a very loose 
idea of uh, where I wanted things to head at the end, uh, but the path on the the path to get there was murky. <laughs> so right. it's one of the funnest things about this so far, and also very nerve wracking was um, figuring it out as I go. You know, like when you sit down and you've got twenty pages to, do, you know, I gotta get the script in and get the get the the pages started drawing and. And like, oh, okay, what's going to happen? I, I don't know yet. You know, <laughs> you just start writing. You're like, oh, yeah, this is going to happen. And then, then things happen and then it's great because I start drawing. And now that's my second draft of the script to a degree. So I start adding things or changing things from my script. And it's been really fun, but also, very, like I said, very nerve wracking because uh, I don't, I guess sometimes it feels like I can get lost in it. And then I'm like, I'll get to the end and be like, oh my. Like, luckily, I have great editors on my side to catch me, right? If I start to get in, lost in the fun of it, uh, and they'll remind me, like, hey, um, he's starting to drift here, or we're losing a motivation here. You know, like, a quick reminder, I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. I was, I was, you know, because it can be very indulgent sometimes to go too far into it. But I think the one of the big fun things it has been not quite knowing where I'm going to, you know, like, right now, uh, I don't quite know what I'm going to do with issue five. I have a general idea, but the fun of that is that night when I fire up the laptop and start writing that script, it just comes, you know, whatever, whatever may have happened that day starts to find its way in there or what happened that week as opposed to me having, oh, that's awesome. you know, having it too planned out ahead of time for me. I know some other people work, you know, work much better kind of as the architect style writers, you know, where, They've really planned it all out, and it's there's a structure there and everything. And for me, right. I'm much like, more the discovery writer, where I'm kind of hunting for it as I go, you know. Right. Like you would expect um, Matt Kent to have a the large chunk of my yes. management planned out, yeah. right? But that's that's a totally different story, different book than than Rocket Raccoon. He, I, I don't think he has the luxury of working a lot of spontaneity into mind management, and he, the story doesn't call for right. it. It's a very planned, very precise for sure tale. But you you have the that that benefit of just being able to do whatever the hell you want. Yeah, and I think I mean for me, my real my real goal is to make you have fun with the characters, um, and and hopefully have a plot that facilitates the characters entertaining you. You know, and and maybe not so much. Um, I have to remind myself that write, writing's not just a, for me, writing's not just about wowing you with, uh, my page turns or, you know, the plot development or what's going to happen. Uh, hopefully I'm doing okay on that part and people enjoy that, but I want the plot to service, uh, not just the, the, the end goal of the story, but to give the characters, uh, a reason to have some fun with each other and piss each other off and, and make, make you laugh and, and, you know, kind of follow them along. So, but it's, it's, um, I will say, man, doing it all myself for the first time, uh, out in the open, right? Like <laughs> publish, everything's published where, you know, for years being more of a, uh, just the artist, uh, you know, I've written for other artists and I've written and drawn a few smaller stories that have been published, but nothing where it's just all me all out in the open. Um, it's amazing and it's super scary <laughs> because you're just, there's no hiding, right? Like no buck passing. No, like when that first issue was coming out, like that Wednesday, I like, I've been doing this a very long time 
and and to a degree had not really felt nervous about my job in a not not job security but just nervous about what I do in I can't tell you how long because you just get used to it and you, you draw pages and books come out and you draw more pages and more books come out and you draw you know and you just rinse and repeat and all of a sudden the stakes were raised you know like Am I a writer? Are people going to go, ah, oh, that art's good, but the writing's just, you know, whatever. We'll accept it because we like looking at it or whatever. You know, it's like all of a sudden you're exposed and, and I felt exposed. I'm like, oh no. Oh, and, and then the day it's coming out, you know, I'm months away from that having done that first issue show. Everything that I thought was hilarious as I wrote it and drew it is now months old. And it truly is like watching the hangover for the seventh time. You know what I mean? You're starting on HBO and you didn't feel like changing the channel and you're like, oh, yep, Wolfpack. Oh, yeah, that's hilarious. You know? <laughs> so for me, that's the way I'm thinking about it. Now all of a sudden I'm questioning everything. Oh no. And you guys, you guys know me. I'm not, I'm not, uh, a super self-deprecating person. I'm not, I don't dwell on, did I do it good enough or anything? It's, it's, I'm usually very content. And, and if, if I didn't hit what I wanted, I'll live to fight another day and we'll, we'll try to do better the next time. But it, it was wrapping me up pretty good. I was, I was, I was, uh, I was very, uh, nervous, uh, having it come out because I just thought, oh no, here it is. I'm, you're going to, they're going to be like, well, we, we know artists can't write. They just draw, you know, which yeah. I think we all know that's untrue, right? I mean, right, right. But see, one of the things, um, I admire most about you, and there's a lot of them that, you know, I'm not doing your lip service. This is genuine. One of the things that I've seen and, and you have, you've proven this time and time again. One, you do really well under pressure. Mm. You, you always rise to the, to the challenge. I've noticed that. But the thing, the thing that makes me, one of the things that impresses me the most about you is, yeah, you work for comics, but you have, it's not, it's extremely smart how you've done this. You make comics work for you. And that, that's great. Your style, the style that you've cultivated, you can do stuff relatively quickly. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm, you know, you're not, um, a, a P. Craig Russell, where you go in and you you deliberate on every line. You you have in a very emotive line. You get it down. You, th- there's life in your drawing, and there's a limit to it. You don't go in and noodle. There's this line is going to do the job of you know ten lines. Right. This is this is my style. This is what I want it to be. You have the ability to do things relatively quickly, and now you are doing them. You're not only drawing them, you're writing them. So you are bringing the whole package around to work for you. Like, how how many people can do that in comics? You, well, I don't know. I mean, I think there are. I think there are. I mean, there is a good amount of people that can do it, but they're doing it on their, as quickly as you. Um, I I don't know. Um, I don't know. I guess I I don't know. I mean, there's. Definitely guys like Mike are very quick. Mike Norton is very quick and, and Oh yeah, he's an animal. Yeah, he, can, That's... he can do like thirty seven books at once and um, <laughs> you know, so yeah. definitely on that that front for sure. But um you know, I mean I feel like I'm just now uh opening you know, my doors are not my doors, but the I'm I'm reaching out to open the doors that, you know, a lot of other guys have, have opened long, long ago for you know, right. to kind of be that uh, all in one kind of comic book maker. And, and, 
what's weird is, you know, all these years that I've been working in Marvel, I started at Marvel in 2001 and have been doing books there ever since. And, and, uh, I've had a blast and I've learned a lot and, 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 uh, made great friends, but, and, and made a lot of fun books and worked with a lot of great writers. Um, and every time I was like, all right, I, I'm going to make my own book, you know, and I'm going to start working on the concept and I'd go off at night and start doodling and, and writing and, and every time I'd get stuck in my head because I kind of bought into a lot of what, you know, into this thing where it's like, there's a division between writing and art, right? Like, um, not, not, not willingly and not consciously. It's just, that's the role that I played. And, and there's a role that I think a lot of us play in. Um, and I just bought into it. And, and so then when it came time to writing, it's like, I got stuck in my head and it'd be, um, I felt like I couldn't, uh, I had to prove there was like way, something way more to prove, which is frustrating. Cause I don't feel that way with my art, right? Like uh, I got to a comfortable place with my art where I do what I do and that's fine. And that's fine for me. And so if it's fine for me, then hopefully it'll be fine for some other folks and that, and, and I'm good with that. And it made me be able to create and not get stuck in my head. But all of a sudden, every time I got ready to do some sort of creator own personal project, I'm stuck in my head. But like what you said about the pressure thing, uh, doing well in the pressure, I've found that every single time that I've kind of opened a new door, it's been because I've thrown myself into a place that either I wasn't ready for, but needed to move into. Right. By saying, Hey guys, I want to try this or I want to do this. And Marvel, you know, my, you know, my, my friends and kind of family at this point, uh, up there has been sure. And, and they've kind of been there to like teach me or help me or just give me the chance to say, Hey, so it's like I went from being a penciler and then saying, Hey, I think I want to ink myself. Can you ink? I don't know. Let's see. <laughs> like, you know, we go for it or I'm going to start coloring myself or I'm going to start coloring my books or I'm going to, you know, we're going to do this. And, um, and it was kind of the same with writing. Like, Hey, I, th- I think I've, worked on enough books now when I start doing this and that and, and rocket for me, you know, and people don't really know this yet because it's so fresh, but for me, rocket, like throwing that in and, and us launching this and it's an ongoing and all of a sudden there's a clock and there's a time and, you know, scripts got to be in and pages got to be in all of a sudden, all that like living up in your head bullshit that I do when it comes time for personal projects, there's no time for that. Right. Cause it's business and it's work. It's go time. So all of a sudden, pages are getting done and scripts are written and books are being published. And I'm like, God damn it. (laughs) Like this thing that I've been trying to do for the last four years on my own, I'm stuck up in my head. But being put under the pressure of producing that for, you know, where you're kind of like you're responsible for it. um, I'm really grateful for that because now I'm pretty far, I'm pretty deep into my personal project in the uh, behind the scenes. So because now like some of that mystery has been taken away and some of that, that curtain's been pulled back and now I'm like, all right, time to open that door. So like when you say how many other people could do that and kind of make comics work for them, I think I feel like there's a lot of, of guys. I mean, whether it's, you know uh, you know, the guys at image or the Eric Powell's or, uh, you, you know, Mike and, or any of the guys that, you know, really have their, their voice out there and have, uh, have been risking it out there on their own, on their own merits and stuff like that. I think I admire guys like that a lot. And I think 
that's something that I'm hoping to be able to do here in the next uh, years as well. And I feel like Rocket's been a really cool experience so far in uh, helping me get better at some of that and just breaking down mostly that wall of of just being a dumbass and being stuck up in my head, you know? <laughs> yeah. But um, I think the the most difficult part of that, speaking as someone who who uh, has never done it, but I, I, I'm assuming here, based on what I go through every day, mm-hmm. you say you throw yourself into the unknown. Uh, like, can you eat yourself? I don't know. Let's try it. Sure. The, the The first step where you realize that you're walking into the unknown and you willingly take that second step that is the hardest part oh, it's, and yeah. and and you you seem to you seem to be very can uh it's you you're conducive into into throwing yourself into these situations where for most of us it's terrifying and we never do it right and i say th- yeah i think there's a habit for us not just in comic books but in life in general now now i'm sounding like some sort of like uh mountaintop monk or something but no 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 like uh i think just in life in general we often uh, have a tendency to wait for permission. Uh, we are, or not, not permission per se, but permission slash approval where we kind of want somebody to come along and tap us on the shoulder and say, you're ready, my son, move on to level two. It Um, never comes. Yeah. It never comes because those people are busy waiting for someone else to level them up and that, you know, and so on and so on and so on. And so somewhere along the line, I thought like, well, I don't think anybody's going to come level me up. Like, I don't think anybody's going to come tell me that I get, uh, you know, especially in comics, nobody's coming along to say, hey, you get a promotion. Or, you know, it's like, oh, I make this much money and I'm achieving and I'm making this kind of art right now. I don't know if anybody's just going to come along and say, hey, you know what? You're doing a great job. Go make this kind of art now since you want to. And, uh, hey, you know what? Make this more money just because uh, I think you should. And <laughs> it's just, it's not. So, I got into the habit of being like, all right, I, I think if I ink, if I pencil and ink myself, I'll make, you know, I'm kind of double the money almost, right? So, uh, I'll just ask for it. Um, and you call somebody and then you realize like, oh, these, you know, editors are just people, like just another guy you work with and it's your co worker, right? It's not, I don't necessarily view it as my boss. I view it as somebody I work with and we, we work together to make stuff, you know? And so it's like, hey, uh, I think I'm going to ink myself and, I, and I'm, I think it'll work out better for, for all of us because I think I'll be faster. You know, I'll, like you'll deal with one person and, you know, won't, there won't be any kind of communication delay. So let's try it. And then it works. And then same thing when you start like, Oh, I think I'm going to start just doing all my own covers and coloring them and doing the thing. And, and, and I don't know how to color really. <laughs> like I remember coloring my first cover, first cover, a uh, couple covers at Marvel was crazy because I'm teaching myself Photoshop while coloring covers. Um, but. There's no better way to to say you have to be done. So you're learning really fast, and then part of doing this for a living is is uh, telling yourself, "All right, that's good enough. Got to move on." Like the deadline tells me that that's good enough, and that I've got to move on, and hopefully I'll be better on the next one. And I, that's probably not a super sexy art artistic answer or or statement to make, but a lot of times when you're working in, I mean we're artsy but we're also production you know like we also work right. in production so there's a mixture between like kind of following the creativity but then the creativity has to meet a, a a train at the station and it's leaving no matter what no matter how creative you are that train's leaving every month um so you got to get on it every every month and um so yeah i think just jumping into that 
like you said, like t- jumping into that kind of being scared has been a, a, a good thing. And now it's, I think for a while with Oz being on that for so long, I got really comfortable and everything was becoming really safe. Like I was feeling really cozy and everything was nice and safe and cuddly, you know, like no right. danger. There was no danger. Like I was just in this nice little safe world. No wolves were outside the door and nobody messed with us. And, you know, we were, we were on this odd book, but for some reason kept, got, kept doing it for so long. And, and, uh, there was no reason to, to shake things up. And then after a minute, I was like, you know, I think it's time to go shake it up. I mean, even when I was drawing that first issue of Rocket, I don't know if I said it even the last time I was on here, but like, I was very nervous even while drawing it because I didn't even feel like I could draw anymore. Like, I hadn't drawn action scenes or spaceships or things like that. And I mean, there wasn't really a lot of fighting in The Wizard of Oz. Um, you know, so for a long time, like that, those muscles had atrophied, I felt like for me. So I started even questioning myself, like, oh my God, I really made a mistake here. <laughs> like, you know, so yeah, mix on top of that, like wondering if people were going to, uh, enjoy my writing on top of that, that it's mainly humor based, which is usually not the, 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 um, the biggest selling style of, comics right so that's like as they should be i mean i love them obviously i mean you know i right now in my backpack i should you know i have the uh big huge collection of ralph snart there we go (laughs) i love you so i don't even know i don't even know where i started this big long ramble um at i feel like uh i feel like i just did a uh a life held on you guys well that's cool (laughs) you like no, because we got to say a couple of things. So it's, <laughs> yeah. it's all good. How awesome was that? Was that awesome or what? Oh, I didn't know I could take the night off. I wish I would prepared. <laughs> it was, uh, it was, it was fantastic. I, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't, yeah, at no point, I, I didn't get to, um, I remember working at the comic shop where I was helping out with when I read that issue of Youngblood and the two page spread at the end. I remember where he drew himself a character of himself proposing to his now wife joy and i'm like and you know i mean little things like that i wanted to mention but i there was no time and there was really no need because he just he just took off and and it was it was once you start once you start that engine you just step back and you watch it watch it race around the track (laughs) So I just want to thank you, Scotty, for showing uh, guys like me the way. Oh no way! See, this is going to sound schmaltzy and like I'm I'm doing you lip service, but I honestly I'm not kidding. I think about what you have accomplished all the time, and I'm like, I could possibly do that someday. And the someday just never comes, you know. And I just have to do like you do and take that step and fling myself into the unknown. Fuck a steady paycheck, you know. That's what has kept me down for so long. I think it's one of the worst addictions anyone can ever have. Forget heroin. It is. A a steady paycheck is dangerous. It is very dangerous. And I feel, I mean, I I have felt the same way. I mean, it's I'm not immune to it either. Like, even though, I mean, I have a great job and it's awesome and everything like that. But it's also, it's also, again, very safe. And it's kept me, luckily, I'm in a place now where I am quick enough to be able to kind of do both at the same time. And, and, and I don't have to necessarily quit one for the other, but you know, guys like, 
you know, we, we talk about the kind of this, the big creator own thing now and, and, um, you know, people doing it and reaching out. And I think it's fantastic and it's awesome. But I also want to give credit to guys like Jason Howard, you know, who, who stepped, I mean, Jason Howard worked at, uh, Dart, uh, which is a design firm that, you know, they like own solo cups and, you know, like, so basically Jason was the art director. Like every coffee cup that you've probably purchased at a gas station, Jason Howard's was approved the design of that cup, right? Like he was, <laughs> he, he was flying like, he was on like private jets to meetings and stuff. Like he had a legit, like a for real job, but he loved comics and, uh, ended up, uh, you know, would still do pinups here and there for things if he could. And then because of one of these pinups, he met Robert. Uh, Kirkman and then those two became, you know, then he, then he did, uh, an issue of a comic and then did Wolfman. They did Wolfman together. And, and he, and I mean, this is at a time where it's, you know, Kirkman was not an institution, you know, like, so Jason left this super comfortable with three kids, left this super comfortable, very good job to jump out the window and, and hope that at some point a parachute uh, big enough to, to cushion the blow or, or soften the fall would, would pop out. And I mean, I, I give it up to dudes like that all the time. So like, I mean, I know you say it for, like it, me, but I'm, I honestly say guys like him are, you know, if anything, I've had it easy to a degree because I kind of got in at a certain time and I've kind of hid away in the corner of the big, you know, behind the big monster, right? The big, huge, strong muscles of Marvel. Like, I'm like, I'm, I'm just going to stay back here and be protected, you know, <laughs> and, and, and do my thing. But I, I really admire, you know, I admire guys like Jason and, and, uh, Otley and, and all these and uh, Jake Parker, you know, Jake Parker is another guy who worked at uh blue sky studios and, and did designs for Horton. Here's a who, and, Rio and, and, uh, Ice Age and, you know, he's working in movies and he's got a cussy job and, and Jake has five kids and, and he's my age and he's like, uh, he's making graphic novels at night for Scholastic, Missile Mouse graphic novels at night for Scholastic. So work all day, then do this. And then he decides, you know what? I want to do this full time. I don't know how I'll do it. And he f- quit the job. And, uh, and he's out and he's freelancing and he'll find a children's book thing and then he does it and then Kickstarter came along and he made a Kickstarter. Yeah, got the book. Yeah, you know, and it's like, it's awesome. So these guys for me, like, I, there might be people that think like, oh yeah, he's doing it right there. But I, I tell you, any day of the week, I'm looking up to guys like that that are like, they're out there, they're speaking their mind on the paper, you know, on the page. And they're, they're laying their ideas down. And so for me, I have, I have, uh, I understand where, where you're coming from. I know you say like, yeah, you probably think it's a, I don't, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Cause I have that same feeling about these dudes, like, like Jason Howard, great buddy of mine, just like killing it on creator own books for the last, you know, what, six, seven years, six, seven, eight years now, maybe longer uh just doing it and doing it and and some books are really big success and some books and eh, take a little bit of a hit and he keeps on going and and now you know he's doing trees with Warren Ellis and it's selling great and it's a cool book and his artwork's better than ever and so I, I'm the same way when I look at dudes like that that are like these dudes really jumped off the ledge right like yeah. I mean when I got my job I was like a 23 
23, 24-year-old waiter at Ed DeBevick. So I really was not taking a risk, right? Like, I did not have a wife or a kid or I didn't have any of the, any responsibilities. I literally, um, you know, my version of jumping off the ledge was like, eh, maybe I won't go in to serve burgers tonight, you know, like for whatever. So, um, you know, I've worked hard to stay there, but it's it's not like some of these dudes that I really look up to for just being like, monsters for jumping off that cliff respect to all you guys word yeah clock on the wall says we got to bring it home hey everybody uh thank you for being here with us uh once again as usual this episode has been sponsored by discount comic book service dcbservice.com get your comics get them cheap get them fast get them delivered right to your door and i'm going to springboard off that for my in your travels and i will say I want everybody to support Dark Horse because they have a ton of horror books coming out. Dark Horse is always focused on the horror and even more so now. They got the whole Aliens, Predator, Prometheus thing going on. But they've taken um, Paul Tobin and uh, Juan Ferreira's uh, Colder and they've made it an ongoing. You can get, it's called Bad Seed. You can get uh, Colder Bad Seed number one uh, for forty percent off this month at DCB Service. You can also get. Uh, don't forget, Karina Becco has a story in Creepy number eighteen. That's also up this month, and they have the BPRD stuff. There's a ton of that. So Dark Horse has got their, their hands dirty in the horror stuff, and so does Oni Press, specifically with Colin Bunn because Colin Bunn has two. Two new series coming out. Uh, one, I guess it's a sequel to Helheim that he did with Joel Jones. This is called Brides of Helheim. That's appropriate. Um, number one is this month. It's 50% off. You can get it for a buck 99. And like I said in the beginning of the episode, Colin Bunn also has a new thing with Brian Chirilla called Hellbreak that you can also get for 50% off, even at cover price, a buck. It wouldn't set you back, but you can get it for 50%. So support these new horror books. You gotta. Horror's awesome. There's not enough horror books out there. We need more. I like how you make well, it sound like whore. Whore. I don't see. See, if you were, if, if, if they were horror books, I'd be all over them, but. Dude, I was gonna talk about Cross this week. Like, really? But, yeah, I'd love no, to hear about it. No, but the, the, ah! the, the issue I read, there's something in it that I cannot even bring to the show. It's so obscene. Really? Wow. Yes. I can't even get myself to say it. Labia is earrings. No, no, it's way beyond that. Way beyond that. And, and it's in the new cross. If you like to be offended, pick up cross because the, the, I think it was animals, children. Oh, well, I know, I know. We, that's why it got me because it's like, oh my God. Yeah. I, maybe I'll tell you about it after. No, I can't say it. Get through it everything. Yeah. it, It, it even offended me. And I was thankful for it because I like to be offended. So yeah, read Cross too. Take it away. Oh man, well what's left? Um, in your travels, I uh, well I didn't I didn't I didn't get into volume three with Guardians since you didn't you didn't get. I, all I will say is that I thought I love the way it started off, um, including the Iron Man appearance for whatever reason because he wanted to see what else was out there in the universe. It, it started to, um, I'm not gonna say it lost me, but I think that it, 
it it lost some of the momentum when we had uh the Age of Ultron connection and then the Infinity uh, kind of yeah that happened it, it does and it yeah. was, but it was since I was reading them in a chunk and I didn't see it as it was happening it um it was more apparent in this regard uh, seeing Angela show up was pretty interesting um and and I, she continues to to pop up where uh, you kind of least expect it during during the run so i i definitely do i i like it um i'm just going i'm i'm since i'm about to reread the early issues of the abnet and landing run and then finally read the issues i didn't read i'm i'm going to i'll be able to do a um compare and contrast but in your travels um we did not get to talk about grayson uh, next week we're going to talk about seconds. I will say, check out Spread. Uh, the second issue came out, I believe, today. Um, it did. The first issue has an awesome second printing cover, which basically, uh, it resembles a, a blister pack from the old Kenner Star Wars line of <laughs> It's so awesome. Yeah. That cover needs to be the cover of the first collection. Um, but it, it's got, uh, there, there's, it's, it's, if, if you like the thing or Lone Wolf and Cub or, um, Snow or it, there's just, there's a lot going on in this first issue. It, it, it really, it sets the stage. It, it, it sets everything up nicely. Um, is there someone out there that doesn't like Lone Wolf and Cub? It, Point them out. I wish, no, I, I don't, they, there should be. probably the same people who wouldn't care for Guardians of the Galaxy, so I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, because Lone Wolf is such a feel-good book. Just, you know, same, same, if you like this, definitely like this. Uh, no, it's um, but there's you know it, it. You can tell by the first issue's cover where you know you have No, who's who's the main character, and 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 a baby, um, basically in a papoose. So it's it's you kind of you look at that and it just kind of brings back that memory um especially if you're an old amazing heroes reader things like that but um the art by kyle stram is is amazing uh vince needs to no i i agree i totally agree um, justin jordan he he's he's another dude who um he'll write um dc's green lantern guardians book uh he'll he'll write uh dead body road he'll write luther strode i mean the dude's gonna he's busy uh and and each thing feels he i i don't want to say he doesn't have a voice but it's it's one of those things it's i'll liken it to more in the regards where i more as a chameleon one, the next thing I'll read from him doesn't read like, Watchmen doesn't read like Killing Joke, which doesn't read like Necronomic. They're just, Justin Jordan, I, he, he can pretty much, everything I've read from him so far, it feels different. And, and, uh. He's an invisible writer, yeah, which is good. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's, you don't have that, you know, it doesn't, like with Bendis, you, you can kind of tell when you're reading a Bendis written book. Sometimes. Not so much on Guardians though. Uh, which, is, which is good. I, I, you may feel differently in the later issues. Ah, stop! No, no, no I'm not. I'm, I, that's not a bad thing. I'm just saying that there are definite things that uh, oh, remind no. me. No, 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 no. And you, you may not even you, you'll you'll love it. So it's not. It may not be noticeable to you. And 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 it's not as noticeable as it was 
in Avengers or even really all new X-Men. I agree with you. Yes. Not as much in Guardians. So I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you there. Um, thank you for that. But no, you're wrong. But uh, (laughs) definitely, uh, check out, uh, spread. Spread. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) What am I, 12? (laughs) I don't know how many more times you can say box, but all right. What do you got, Scott? All right. You- I am going to give a little love uh, to one of my buddies, uh, Jim Mafood. Ooh. Um, and I'm going to tell a story first, and then it's going to relate to the book. The book. Um, Jim and I were uh, hanging out at Charlotte uh, Heroes Con this year, and we went with uh, some friends to usually me and. Uh, uh, Matt Fraction and, and Kelly Sue and a few people usually go to a Mexican restaurant on Sunday after the con. That's kind of our tradition every year, just to kind of wind down, have some margaritas and, and, uh, some good guac. And, um, Jim came along with us this year and we were hanging out. And afterwards, Shelton always throws a big party at, at, uh, Heroes Aren't Hard to Find, the comic shop. So everybody was over there and Jim and I are, are chatting and somebody comes up and says, Hey, let me, uh, let me get a picture of you guys. And it takes our picture and then he says, all right, here. And he is real nice camera and he hands it to somebody else and says, all right, give me, get a picture with me, with, uh, with me, Jim and Scotty. And they take a picture of the three of us and me and Jim are just playing it cool. Like, yeah, what's up? You know, doing our selfie faces and whatever. It's like, we're cool dudes. Like, oh man, it's awesome. And he walks away and then Jim and I look at each other like, can you believe that just happened? Like all of a sudden, all cool just fell off of us because it was uh, it was just Bill Sienkiewicz. Nice. It was just Sienkiewicz coming up, getting selfies with me and Jim. Me and Jim played it as cool as the day is long when it was happening. And as soon as he walked off, we were both like we were doing the nail drawing, right? Like, oh, you know. And uh, the reason I'm telling this story is because the book. That I'm, uh, that I'm gonna give some love to is his Los Angeles Ink Stains book, which is filled, it's kind of, it's basically was his online auto bio webcomic, um, where there wasn't really a schedule to it, sometimes once a week, sometimes once a month, whatever, he would, um, uh, he would jot down just panel to panel his day or his week or his month on a page. Um, and it was real, just went to so-and-so's house, had some beers, blah, blah, blah. My brother DJed. Then we went over here. Then we went over there. Then, oh my God, uh, you know, uh, Danny McBride showed up or whatever, you know, like he, and it was just like a crazy thing of his day or like went to San Diego, got arrested. Worst con of my life was, you know, got a DUI, like very just, you know, almost Gonzo style autobio. Um, and I, so I tell that story because I feel like it would have been, it would have been one of those moments he, you know, if he was still doing it, that would have made it into the page, <laughs> you know, because you could see that genuine excitement on his face that like one of, one of the, one of the greats just came by, threw his arm around both of us and was like, Hey dudes, what's up? Dig your shit, dig your shit. Later, bros. And we're like, <gasps> yeah, this is crazy. Uh, 
but it's a great book. It's about 144 pages. It's out from Image. It's like a big eight and a half by 11 or nine by 12. Can't remember the exact, but somewhere around there. So it's big, um, really nice print job. And it's just some, it's just Jim. It's Jim at his most foodness, you know, his most my foodness. It's, <laughs> it's, like uh, it. it's that raw, you know, Jim started off doing mini comics and indie yep. black and white comics, and he does great full color comic stuff now and does tank girl stuff. And he's, I mean, he's just done a ton of amazing stuff over his career, but this is like that raw indie guy just talking about his life. There's no sensationalism. He doesn't pull out bazookas. He doesn't have a rocket pack on all of a sudden. It, there's, there's no high concept to it. It's, Got together with Jason Sean Alexander, did some painting. Then me and uh, me and Dave Crossan met up, had some drinks, got drunk, met some chicks. They stayed over. Shit was live. That's it. That you know, <laughs> like that's that strip for the day. But there's so much energy into it. There's so much truth in it, and it just feels. It's like one of those things. Like every now and then, you come across a movie or an album or a comic or a novel or whatever, and you're just like, shit. One day. I'll be truthful like this, you know, like I'll, I'll, I will throw something down that feels honest and truthful and raw like this. And, uh, so yeah, Los Angeles ink stains by Jim food is, uh, something that I think everybody should have and keep by your bedside or on a coffee table or something. And whenever you, whenever you've, you're, uh, you know, you've got your wife tells you she'll be another 10 minutes, which means 20, um, pull this out and read a couple pages and then put it down. And then real quick, you don't have, you don't really have the energy to read a full book before bed. You're kind of tired, but you do want to read, read three or four strips, read four or five pages or whatever. And you know, like in the night, it's one of those kind of books where you just jump in and jump out. There's no continuity. You can just pop, you can flip open to a page if you want. So it's, it's a great read. On it. Word. I love Jim stuff. Yeah, man. He's awesome. Super awesome, man. There's another dude that if, uh, there's another dude. His, uh, his hustle is so, so right. I love it. Like, he makes sweet videos and uh, he just loves what he does. And every time you talk to him, he's positive. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes you talk yes. to somebody about the business and you're like, oh, how's it going? What's going on? And it's instantly like, Ugh, fuck this and that fucking guy and fucking the comics ain't doing shit. You know, it's like, it could get really grumpy and get really negative and pessimistic and cynical. And Jim's one of those dudes where it's just like, Hey man, what's going on? Hey, nothing, man. Got a live art show tonight. You want to go to the live art show? Oh man. It's got, Oh, I saw your thing, man. I got this tank girl. Do you want to see some of the pages? You know, it's like he is just excited and always making stuff. And, yep. and you see that in the art. Like it's, you know, he's not, he does this, he makes money doing this, but it's not, he's not making stuff to make the money. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's making art. Hey, he was in that Oni, like, from the get-go, wasn't he, uh, with that Riot Girl book? That, I mean, that was great. Mm-hmm. And it was raw, too. I mean, your your main characters are basically scumbags. Those Girl Scouts, right? Girl yeah. Scouts, yeah. Yeah, why did I say Riot yeah. Girl? Yeah, Girl Whatever. Scouts, yeah. That, yeah, that and like, it was... Uh, his, his, yeah, book at Oni when he was young. I yeah. love that book, yeah. yeah it's, he's got a great style. Yeah, he's awesome, man. He's He's fantastic. Cool beans. Hey, everybody. Oh, oh. Did I step on someone there? No. Oh, there's an echo. 
I'll take that out too. Hey everybody, thank you for being here with us. Gotta do a little bit more editing than usual this week, which means some. <laughs> Uh, as usual, we'll be back next week. Uh, you can get the next episode the same place you found this episode. Uh, I'd like to thank Mr. Scotty Young for being here with us always. Uh, always. Thanks for letting me come in and, uh, get more babbly than usual. No. Well, Jason's not here, so you're able to. <laughs> you're my light in the darkness. Uh-huh. Uh, and you, you can <laughs> find us wherever you got this, cause we love you so much, that's why we do this. Cause we love you. Yes. Yes. No, I say we. I know you say we. I know, I know I because you. I'm including you by default. You do love them, you just don't want to admit it. You're tough love. That's okay, I'll be the good cop. That's alright. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> we love you. Say goodnight, David. Good night, David. Good night, Scotty. Good night. Call me. Call him. Call me. Call me.